They're on their own, man. <laughs> Hello, world. Wow. Welcome back to another episode of Five Fans. Been a minute. Thanks for sticking around, though. Thanks for sticking around. Um, we are up to, is this episode six that's going to come out? I think so. Uh, so six. Episode six. If you've made it this far, it, it's only going to get better. Or worse. I don't know. One of the two. It's not going like to stay the same. You know, we're like a fish show. We'd, yeah. You could do anything. Anything could happen. <laughs> so we have a whole bunch to talk about today. And a lot. we have a bunch, a lot. We have a big show. And there's just no time to waste. Barely time to, what is it? Ain't no time to hate. Barely time to waste. Um, so we're going to uh, kind of go right into the show as opposed to the usual uh, exchanging of pleasantries here at the beginning. Infinite pleasantries, nice. if you nice. know what I'm saying. Um, nice. So, but, but I w- we will do a little tiny thing before we start. We are recording this on Friday the 30th of July, and so that means, of course, that fish tour has begun. We saw them at Arkansas. Fish, 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 fish. Oh, God. Or we saw the webcast, I should clarify. And... Um, I didn't. We don't need to do any kind of breakdown or anything, but just uh, man, just to see them back up there again, looking good. It was sounding nice. Yeah, good and, stuff. And uh, man, it was it was like a slightly different type of show than I thought. I almost thought the energy would be so overwhelming the whole time from the crowd that they wouldn't. It would be like less jamming, but nope. <laughs> they no, they got right yeah, to it they and just set went too. Right into it. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, as the tour develops and we do episodes, maybe we can talk a little bit more about it in depth. But uh, looking forward to the Alabama show tonight. So, Alabama, Alabama, get away! All right. So today, though, we are talking about quite a uh, quite a show, Dan. So as usual, uh, will you do the honors of telling us the date and place of today's fish? Oh, show? today's show is August fifteenth. 1998 at the Loring Air Force Base in Limestone, Maine. Oh, shit. That's right. We are doing Lemon Wheel. The Lemon Wheel Festival from 1998. We are doing night one. Uh, So this is the first time we've done anything. First of all, it's the first time we've done a three-set show. But second of all, it's the first time we've done any show that has any kind of a uh, really sort of large historical um, importance outside of just being a good show you know like we didn't we haven't talked about any that are officially released but we also haven't talked about any that are um also just sort of large noteworthy events in their history so this is gonna be fun um yeah so i will ask you real quick did you have any relationship to lemon wheel festival before we did this for the episode had you heard it before or i knew of it I probably listened to some of the songs back when they released Live Bait Volume, what was it, 6? It was Festivals um, in the lead-up to Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, So I think I heard a couple songs then, maybe like the Reba. But other than that, I hadn't really gone back because it wasn't a live release. Yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah, we... um... 
we weren't listening. We didn't do a ton of bootlegs in college as I look back on it. We really, because uh, I remember we had the live fish. Mostly, yeah. Mostly just dead. Yeah, there was some dead, but then even with the, we listen to fish all the time, but it's usually the live fish mm-hmm. or like shows we went to, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but I know like after college and uh, toward the end of college, I was definitely diving in <laughs> full bore <laughs> into all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, my relationship to it was that before we went to Magdaball together uh, with our, our friend first Mike, Magdaball. With our friend Mike. The silent third podcaster, Mike. Um, <laughs> what do you think of the podcast, Mike? Mike's nodding. Yeah, exactly. We'll just pretend he's here. Um, yeah, before we went to Magnaball, I listened to all of the festivals in order because <laughs> I'm insane. Oh, yeah. Um, so I did. So I didn't do. Uh, all right, maybe I did listen to Amy's Farm. Um, I, that's always kind of the one that, like, that was 91. So it kind of was the original festival, but it's also sort of a slightly different thing. Um, but I definitely did Clifford Ball. Uh, Great went Lemon Wheel, Camp Oswego, Big Cypress, I and then it. I did not listen to Coventry, um, and then I did Festival Eight and Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, that happened. <laughs> but Festival it, it, Eight was two thousand nine. Ten. Yeah. Nine. Oh, nine. Okay, it's their first year back, right? Yeah, that was on the Coachella grounds, um, mm. and it was where they did the. Um, Rolling Stones, the Exile on Main Street um, Halloween show. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, which by the way, then that sparked me. I was listening to, I remember after that, because after I did the festival run and then I was like, okay, I won't listen to Fish for whatever, like a month and a half before we went, which I broke the rule (laughs) a little bit, but I did end up listening to a bunch of other stuff and getting into a bunch of other stuff, but I also was listening to... uh, the actual Exile on Main Street album a lot <laughs> after that, I remember. But nice. anyway, um, the thing about Lemon Wheel, um, so because this is such a big show, a uh, really big show, I'm going to, uh, I, I actually wrote out a little thing, Dan, that I'm going to read to you or to our audience, Aww, I suppose. Read yes. it. Yeah. Read it. What if I read it just to you? Like I bleeped it out yeah, entirely. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Except for very key where it's like, Show, you know, just like random words were yeah. still in there. The following content is considered <laughs> unsuitable for some audiences. And then you got done and you were like, that was the greatest moment that we've ever I'm had. Just cry- I'm just crying hysterically. <laughs> no. Like, wow, that, man. Wow. It isn't that uh, emotional. Moving. But I'm going to uh, I'm going to attempt to do this and uh, because I realized that we have so much to set up. So I, was, I just wanted to, you know, we're, we're inching towards professionalism. That's the idea. Um, so... Not too fast. Not though. very I get fast. Parsec. <laughs> Not at all fast. So, all right. So, and then there was Lemon Wheel. It should be first plainly stated that neither myself nor my trusted co host were one of the 60,000 that made the trek to a remote area of Maine in August of 1998. For in the time when Limestone was about to again temporarily become the most populous city in Maine. We were busy doing whatever it was uh, seven and eight-year-olds are doing, except apparently Sam Jarvis. What follows here is an account of listening to these shows in some perverse version of an academic pursuit. But that, of course, is in no way meant to purvey what it is like to have boots, nay, Birkenstocks, on the ground at this time. We can only revisit these through limited video images and, of course, the audio. And as such, the Garden of Infinite Pleasantries, the Elephant, the Portal at Pagoda your friend's adventures to and from the grounds, the sneakers you ruined, et cetera, et cetera, can't possibly have the same impact on you as they are going to as we listen to it. 
all fish shows can rightfully carry some weight of you don't know, man. And festivals, of course, increase this factor exponentially. But let's talk about what we do know. So it's Fish's second time in Limestone following 1997's Great Went, and of course it's five years before 2003's return there for the It Festival. Um, so it's two years removed from Clifford Ball, which is their first festival if you don't count Amy's Farm. Takes place in summer of 1998. Summer of 98 is of course usually known as the Summer of Covers, but it has a little bit of everything to offer. Following the reinvention of their sound in late 1996 and 97, 98 finds the band playing within the newfound boundaries of the interlocking groove rhythm machine, often referred to as cow funk. But it also finds them painting outside of those lines. They're having fun in 98 in a way 97 was a little too formal to do. Henrietta's back in the dress. They're playing classic rock covers they're hearing backstage for the first time. They're not afraid to occasionally slip back into 1993-level Trey guitar hysteria. I'm looking at you, Worcester. The ambient mode of their jamming hasn't taken full shape as it would in 99, but that is clearly right around the corner, wink. What the hell is a lemon wheel, by the way? The obvious answer seems to be that it's in a reference to limestone, get it? Because lime and lemon. But another explanation could simply be that little slice of lemon on the edge of your cocktail glass. And in some ways, that's apropos. For while the fan base doesn't necessarily dislike Lemon Wheel in any way, it definitely gets routinely overlooked compared to its surrounding brethren in the dense, great beauty of Great Went and the monstrosity that is Big Cypress. So in this episode, let's take the highway back to 1998 and focus on the details we as 3.0 noobs can still tangibly hear, because sometimes the little detail you overlook, the Lemon Wheel, is the one that ties it all together. Oh, I loved it. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> if you can splice in like massive crowd cheering too, yeah that would be great just like an applause track yeah just... that was amazing yeah thanks buddy i mean i just wanted to kind of set up a few points that i feel like we should you know that are like preparatory to anything else right one of the key points i wanted to hit there at the end was just that uh this is obviously a huge deal like we said sixty thousand people there um but Jesus. there's something about Lemon Wheel as a festival that always feels like it slips between the cracks. Um, I was looking up information about this on just Google and through fish.net, and there was a really excellent uh, blog post that had two users from fish.net going back and forth about um, about kind of this idea of how okay. how and why Lemon Wheel kind of gets overlooked. But, I mean, I will say when I was doing my run through the festivals, I really remember being like, why is Lemon Wheel, why does nobody ever bring it up? Because I understand the idea that it, I, and I agree with the idea that it is not like musically superior to some of the other ones, but it's so much fun to listen to. I think it's like probably the most like fun festival they ever, they ever did. (laughs) So yeah, so we can kind of just get into it because we are going to, we're not going to take a break. We're just going to dive into the actual show, but I- but I should throw out there, yeah, we talked about how many people were there. It's the second time at Alluring. I think that might be part of the reason that it gets kind of overlooked is that it feels like a little bit in the shadow of Great Went. And, yeah, how uh, many people were at Great Went? I want to say it was around the more? same amount, but okay. it might, might have been a little bit more. But um, That's nuts. So 60,000 people. Yeah, we could talk a little bit about I mean, so the, the decor and the whole kind of... Uh, uh, it was kind of an Eastern themed thing. So there's elephant statues. There's a actual moving elephant, which we'll get to in the second episode um, of this yeah, uh, nuts. lemon wheel thing. But um, 
I found these pictures I just showed you, I sent you online of the whole uh, kind of grounds and stuff. And I like the seeing the Garden of Infinite Pleasantries with the lemon tree. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. That's and, so awesome. And uh, those are really, really cool. Yeah. With like the strangely shaped hedges and the, the landscape sculpture sculptures. Yeah. And they have like the, there's the Portalette Pagoda, but there's also multiple like other pagodas, <laughs> I guess. And they were like, um, I was trying to send, uh, ones that I saw of people dressed up as like ninjas and stuff, like doing fake like sword fights and stuff. Um, oh shit! So it, uh, I read some of the uh, people fish.net reviews where people were talking about you know what it was like to actually be there, and uh, I read an article, a uh, newspaper article from around the time, just you know like one of the things where they just send a reporter in and just sort of randomly have them walk around and ask questions <laughs> um and it was like uh it was, it was you know it was pretty great it actually gives you a good picture of like you know it's uh you know it's the pre-smartphone pre-whatever era it was just people showing up and hanging out <laughs> but seems like obviously would have been a pretty amazing time so again we're just talking about the music here but uh it all it all kind of seeps together in a way there's definitely the the yeah, the environment always will influence the art to some extent, particularly at something like this, which is designed yeah. to be such a big grand event. I mean, you and I went to Magna Ball, so it's not like we don't have any festival experience, but you know, um, yeah, I think uh, we can just dive right into the music, and then there's still going to be plenty of time to get into anything else. So, what do you say? I say let's dive, baby. <laughs> Indeed. Splash. So we parked our car. We got the camping going. We wandered over uh, to the tent, stage our area. Our tent's all set up. Yep. Yep. We wandered. Yep. It's, we're good. Closest we're, bathroom. We found yeah. it. Got yep. some ice. Yep. Yeah. We're I and the Bruce portalette, uh, the non-pagoda part of the portalettes, just the regular <laughs> one. And uh, so I'm guessing they went on in the afternoon here because this is a three-set show. So the sun's shining, but the boys from the Burlington. sweet. Copyright TM hashtag uh, walk on stage. <laughs> no, they didn't call them that back then. Um, the boys walk on stage and play Mike song. Ooh. So we're going to, I'm going to do this as a pairing. I rated it every song individually, but I'm going to do some of them kind of as a pairing. So it is the whole set is Mike's groove. We talked about Mike's groove on the last <laughs> episode. Uh, so it, this begins with Mike's into simple. Goodness. Yep. For Mike's song, this is the 10th version they did in 1998 out of 16. See, I did a little bit of research for this. Oh, wow. Um, Seven of the 10 they do in 1998 go into simple. So this was a pretty popular uh, pairing at the time and, you know, to a degree since then. Um, The first thing that I... My favorite pairing of it, for sure. Well, second favorite. Do you like... Are you more of a hydrogen than a, a simple guy? I like simple... I like... Mike's simple hydrogen groove. Yeah, there have been. That's my ideal. I don't have the numbers on that in front of me, but that has happened. Um, that yeah, that's my ideal. Yeah, that's. I think I'd agree with you because I love this pairing a lot. Um, I wanted to point out something in the mics. Um, I, I think he was. I heard a little bit of this in some of the other '98 jams, so um, it wasn't just for this. But it seemed like with the uh, Fishman's drum beat has the, almost like this weird disco-y flavor. <laughs> at yeah. the beginning yeah yeah and I, it, I know, I know what you're talking about yeah and i know you and i have both been listening to like a lot of grateful dead since the quarantine started <laughs> and uh it just made me think of uh 
when the drummers were kind of messing with Bobby and putting the disco beat into like Big River and stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking Mike's the opposite personality. He in that he'd just be like, "Oh, cool, yeah, this is fun. Like, I can ride with this." But I thought that was funny. Um, so in terms of the uh, version of the song itself, I mean, just this as the opening pair for the festival i think it's really great it's something i definitely really remember about listening to this i was like holy shit they open with this like um you know they open the island tour show with a mic song that one goes into old home place so there, there's precedent for it um it's impossible for me not to bring up the vernon downs show that happened earlier this week Whoa. uh that's gonna be something i'm guessing you and i come back to because i know you listen to it right yeah oh man it's freaking nuts. It's a crazy show. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, you threw out there maybe that doing was that actually one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my my uh, the person who first mentioned fish around me was a counselor at a day camp that I went to, and his first show was uh, Vernon Downs. Oh wow! In that I know in ninety eight. Yep, ninety eight. That uh, show. Damn. Yeah, I only know this because he posted it on a Facebook thing. Oh, like okay. forever ago, back when I still used Facebook. So if somehow Nate ever finds his way to yeah this podcast, five cents shout out, shout out to you, sir, <laughs> friend of it the pod, stuck with me the entire time. Yes, yeah, friend of the pod. I remember you telling me that story. I thought it was a different show though for some reason, but anyway, um, that's pretty great. But no, the Vernon. I I bring it up because that's earlier in the week, and that show the Mike Simple opens the second set. And I mean, it's just better, uh, <laughs> objectively speaking. <laughs> so I just had to, I had kind of a funny thing with this show where I was super excited and we we're doing Lemon Wheel. And then I was listening to a bunch of 98 over the past couple of days. And I was like finding other versions of things and then comparing them. And I was like, all right, I need to go back to just, uh, <laughs> just uh, in some ways, uh, trying to be fair about this. But in terms of this, I loved uh, Mike's. I went for, I like the, uh, pairing so much uh i went 4.7 on mics and 4.8 on simple i like simple even more um and i just love as a pairing the uh intensity of mics and then the uh beginning of the ambient sort of stuff creeping in with simple so um i am a big fan of this and i can understand why they did it a lot in 1998 what were your thoughts about uh the mic simple pairing I thought it was great, but the uh, uh yeah, I I went with four point six for Mike's, and I went with a five for Simple. Now here's okay. why. So Simple, first off, the uh Gordo in the intro is all over that bass, which is just phenomenal. I love in this one. Yeah, I love his it. tone in '98. Is that is the thing that has blown my freaking head open. It's still amazing. He still has like this the way his tone is. There's like no. Like other people, you can hear them when they go like low to high. Like you can hear it's really noticeable when they switch strings and stuff. But like Mike Gordon is just so good that you can't tell. Like his tone is just this blended, beautiful sonic adventure. It's, I love him. I love him so much. Anyway, um, <laughs> the craziest saxophone tone I've ever heard in my life. How do they get a saxophonist on stage just <laughs> for that one part? Just for that I one don't note. know. Yeah. It's amazing, and I think it's phenomenal. Whoever <laughs> is playing saxophone, shout out to you. You sound a lot like a guitar, so it's pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. Um, now, around the seven-minute mark in this song, the band approaches this thing that I, I had to come up with a new term for myself for. 
And the only thing I could think of was footlong. It's basically <laughs> a full band Sammy, right? Okay. Where they all of a sudden all hit this same type of sound at the same time. And that just had me yeah. going nuts. I was like, oh my God, this is insane. You know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'll move it. I'll move it up to a five. The, you know what yeah. it was? You know what my problem was? Was that I had it as a five for so long, and then I listened to other 98 ones, including the Vernon Downs one, and I was like, ah, oh, this is just a little bit better. But yeah, I was, I was, I, the mics is good, but it's just sort of like kind of, yeah, yeah. it's more standard, but it's I was. It's a great really, tone setter. It is. And it's obviously great to open the festival. But yeah, I think uh, the simple also just seems like it's a little bit more setting the tone for what the rest of the show is going to kind of unfold into in a way. Um, And yeah, so we're we're both really high on this version of simple for sure. Um, So as the next, we'll do a little bit of a pairing here, but the next track is dance bluegrass alert we have beauty of my dreams uh i went i oh um it was uh this is nine out of the ten times they did it in um 1998 i would have thought they did it more than ten times in 98 um it's played a lot in uh, 97 and less in 98. Um, and then it gets played less. And then it, as we've talked about, it's like kind of become extremely rare in yep. 3.0, which is weird. Um, Very sad. Yeah. I don't know if it's because it's a little bit harder to play or they just burned out on it in this time fast. period. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I cannot like stress how fast they go when yeah. they play bluegrass. It is insane. It's just, it's just unreasonable how fast they play. Um, I gave it a five. I mean, this is where I wanted and how I want it to sound. So, you know. Did you? Yeah. See, this is surprising. I gave it a four for execution. Ooh. But okay. I gave it a three for placement because I didn't really like it coming out of simple. I felt like we're already here. You know, mm. as much as I love bluegrass, I was like, I'm not ready for the break yet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not ready for the the breakdown. I kind of, I like it when they they go from like a slow thing to just open it up like uh you know like yeah i wanted to come up a little bit more than that i wanted to keep going with the jamming so would you have swapped uh, roguet in here would you have sw- i would have okay i can see that that's a that's a pretty good argument i don't know i like the um i like the juxtaposition coming after the uh simple i i, I kind of like juxtapositions in first sets sometimes like i um Second sets, you want it to be more flowing, but I, I don't mind a bluegrass song coming out of a ambient thing. I think that's very fish <laughs> to me. It is very, very fish. That is for sure. Um, but yeah, I see. It's it's a fair argument. Um, I went with four and a half. Oh, sorry, I went five on Beauty of My Dreams. I went four and a half on Roguet. Um, Roguet is uh, they played Roguet twenty eight times this year. <laughs> it's its debut year though, uh, so this is the fourteenth overall performance. Um, I. This is another song along with, I think, the Mike Simple pairing and one couple that we're going to get to later that I just think sounds amazing in 1998. Um, this is kind of its natural habitat. There's nothing... I went with four and a half just because there's nothing sp- that I, I would say, this is absolutely five fins. Check this out. This is, But, you know, if you just want a solid right. version of it, this is yeah. good, uh, good, good time. And I, it feels like a good, like, breezy, like we're out in the summer 
and we've already done the big energy kind of opener and stuff and everybody's like you know getting ready to settle yeah, in i totally agree 100 percent. i actually gave it a four and a half as well um the the gordon lyric yeah was that intentional is that intentional did they do that on purpose yeah yeah um, okay i think tom marshall even says in one of the things that uh he didn't a lot of the lines are things that he wrote, uh, but that is not one that he wrote. So that was one they wrote in the room together. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, I friend of the podcast. Also, Tom yeah, <laughs> I just love Tom Marshall. Friend of the I love looking at. Hopefully. We love you, Tom. We hopefully. love you, Tom. Please, <laughs> please, hopefully, come find us. Uh, yeah, I just uh, with Rogue, I really like the the way that it like is almost it's like a trance like song you know what i mean um, yeah yeah there's and, tra- uh, trace like not yeah. doing a lot in the uh jam for a while he just plays that one riff over and over but that's like part which of which i yeah. love yeah me too and it's very 98 sorry i feel like i interrupted you was there another no one? you're fine that's pretty much all i really had to say about it not nothing too it was four and a half i feel like that sums it up right i feel like four and a half yeah. Someone was like, how was that rogue? And I said four and a half. They'd be like, I understand exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I always like hearing it, but it's, there's something, it would, there would have to be something about it for it to be a five. Right. But it's always like around, it would be like, you know, I don't think I've ever heard one that I'd be like, that's a two and a half. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty in the pocket. It's actually been more jammed out in 3.0 than it was then. So our next track is Split Open and Melt. It should be worth uh, mentioning, I suppose, that uh, this, that Trey uh, says that this one goes out to, or this one was requested by an eight-year-old named Sam. Thank uh, you, Sam. Thank you, Shout Sam. out to you, Sam. So Sam you is, did a good job. Sam is basically our age, by the way, if you think about that. Uh, <laughs> oh, snap. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, it'll be a year older than me, but yeah, so, so yeah, but uh it says on fish.net that his name is Sam Jarvis, by the way. It throws his second, his, uh, his, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> his last his name full name. There. They know who he is. Is he still a fish fan? I don't Do know. know? I, I, I was going to look it up and I forgot, but, uh, uh, you know, hope Sam. Sam Jarvis, if you find your yeah, way to the, the to the VOD, friend of the VOD. <laughs> friend of the pod for this choice. I mean, uh, so we get split open and melt. Um, the speed that they're doing it at, I love because it's almost between the old really slow version they used to do in the 90s but then not like the blazing fast version that they could also do um i really kind of like that pocket uh they only played it eight times in 98 this is for the fourth one um i feel like this is a weird period for songs like split open and melt because they're um it, it doesn't seem like this is quite acclimated to the sort of new late 90s sound that i was mentioning in the intro the kind of like the ability to kind cow of, in, yeah, the kind of cow, but the ability to even kind of shoehorn that into jams that wouldn't ordinarily have it. They can do it on certain things, but um, split open and melts just such a like agitated, angry kind of jam in a way. Yeah, it's, I uh, love it. I love it too. Um, but this version was, I thought, um, was I thought was pretty. I really liked the uh, the tempo and speed of it. I didn't think the jam was like amazing, amazing, but. Um, I went with 4.3 on Split Open and Melt. Interesting. I, I went with a 5. Um, I feel like this just, it stood out to me even more than normal. You know what it probably is, is I haven't, I just haven't like heard a lot of shows lately that had Split Open and Melt on them and then I started listening to 98 and then I got a bunch of them. 
and they're just so good. It's just such a good song. And yeah. uh, it, it's it's like it feels like it's it moves so much like during the song. It just makes it feel like it's constantly about to end, but it never does. And it just like pushes just a little bit each time. And it's just such a cool feeling that they create with the song. It's like yeah, the when they say I feel yeah. like yeah, I feel like the song sounds like the name. You know what I mean? Like he said yes. when Trey says split open and melt, like you feel that thing. Um, and then. I also, this is the first time I ever noticed, but right before they go to that, like, little jazzy part, where it just briefly does it, and then it drops into, like, the dome. Right before that, Gordon does the walking bass line a measure before they get to that part. And I had never noticed that before. And it's such a cool tie-in between the two separate parts right before the jazz thing. It's, yeah. Before the, um... Where that does, like, the... Oh. Oh. The little jazzy part uh, that they go into. Uh, Mike Gordon does like a ba- he's the walking baseline that he's playing the whole time. It starts a measure before the rest of the band goes into that mode. Yeah, I, always, I had never noticed it. Until I always like his part where right before the acapella thing where he does like he ends on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the composed section of Split Open and Melt. It's like one of my favorite ones. Just everything the guitar is so doing, beautiful. and um, but uh, yeah, I the only reason I think I went with four point three is I just think there's things this this um the melt jam to me that relentless feeling that you're talking about. I think that's better earlier in the nineties a little bit to me, and then I think now I really like the three jams on it now because they it, it, this is a song that works really well with like the. Uh, effects drenched like trey sound i think yeah Um, Yeah, it does but this period i think i'm a little there's a good one from um big cypress that closes the first set before the eight hour set so oh shit rightfully or you know understandably i should say overlooked but um that's a really really good version as well um that's like one that people would mention from this period that's really good I, i agree that one's really good this one just i feel like there's um yeah, I mean it, it's good. I just with the four point three is a good score, <laughs> but I, I keep I keep uh, I'm gonna keep on this thing of remember three three is av- average, right? So that is the way I'm doing the scale anyway. One through five, and so three. So this is better than the you know, but I think uh, for it to be like a four and a half or a five, I really need that last part to knock me on my butt. So, I'm an easy. I'm an easy sell. I'm easy. <laughs> so. Our next song is Dan's Double Bluegrass Alert. Double, two times, two times, two times, two times, two times. Double bluegrass. So good. We're miracle workers. Poor heart at a blazing fast speed. Jeez, yeah. It is fast, too. I went, uh, it's funny you mentioned the placement of the first one. I went with a four and a half here. I just, I only didn't go with a five because I, I was like, I thought, oh, we already did the, we already did the uh, bluegrass thing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I love Poor Heart, I, you know. Um, yeah. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stop myself from giving it a five. <laughs> it's, uh, your hand it's pretty much reaching, an auto five for your me. Your hand was just and reaching the, the button and you're trying to yeah, hold it back. The call and response in the, in the last part too, fishing was all over that. I thought that was hilarious. Um, also the people that were like chomping during it yeah, on um, the some... tape are hilarious. And did you hear the one person just goes, as they're walking by, you just hear someone go, 
They're on their own, man. Yeah, I heard some. I thought, <laughs> oh, was it they're on their own? I heard somebody say like, don't, don't we'll go over there or something. Or like, no, not over here or something. I can't. I couldn't quite pick it out, but I was just we picturing can only, like we can only guess. Know, yeah, <laughs> that friend that was just like they maybe shouldn't have taken that second tab. Had too and much they too did. fast. Yeah, and yep. Now they're like, where'd they go? And and the other friend is like, I don't know, and I'm almost at the same point, so I can't really go find them. I'm <laughs> yeah, five automatic five for the most part. They'd have to really mess it up for me not to give it a five. It's like pretty much one of the first fish songs that really stuck with me too. You know, just yeah. such a funny song. I remember so. that you were into the uh, studio version too. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, four. Uh, this is the fourth version in 1998 out of only five uh yeah no i mean that's uh that was all i had i i was kind of like i enjoyed this but i feel like i uh, maybe to clarify i only need that uh juxtaposition thing in the first set once <laughs> no that's necessarily fair. That's fair. but i actually would have removed beauty of my dreams and moved up the songs into yeah to make that happen so you'd go like simple rogue split open and melport heart yeah yeah so our next track is the moment dance so, I mean, this is technically the beginning of the MoMA Dance's life. Of course, uh, we, we first met MoMA Dance's Black Eyed Katie in 1997. And that's definitely right. worth mentioning because this version is dripping with Black Eyed Katie uh, <laughs> energy. Um, I really, 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 really love this. Uh, to me, oh. this is this is like oh, a... Man. This is our, yeah. Oh, okay. we're, we're disagreeing. I just, here's the thing. My, like, I love MoMA Dance, but I also, I... Um, I do like, um, I do like Black Eyed Katie because I feel like, uh, I, I just like that I can just live inside that kind of sludgy groove that they, that they're just in. And, um, I felt like this is one where I have to bring up the idea, like 1998 is different to me than 97. And this is a good example of how, because 97 has the you know, they're, they've pretty much fully implemented by the end of it. I think that Cal Funk style perfectly into their, like, catalog. and But it was still very, like, kind of like a clean wicka-chicka kind of jamming. And I feel like yeah, when yeah. Trey sort of transmogrified his guitar sound into this uh, style without having to really, like, step back and just do chords, like, when he can... Uh, integrate his actual soloing style into that is um that's just a really great great uh sweet spot i feel like for the late 90s for me and uh you know this moma dance basically is black eyed katie and then they play moma dance you know it's the same kind of groove um that they would have on those versions uh you know from late 1997 uh they played moma dance 25 times <laughs> in 1998 this Whoa. is the 14th one um <laughs> This, uh, you know, and not like it's a rarity now or anything, but yeah, they were all over it. Um, so I, I went back and forth on this man so much, but, uh, I'm going to do it. The moment dance gets my extra fins for set one. On the 
same page with this. I'm curious. No, I just I gave it a three. Now, wow, that's gotta be I our biggest disparity of all time. <laughs> I know it definitely is. I just I don't know. I just I guess I just wasn't feeling it. I've I've seen it like almost every run that I've ever been to. Yeah, I just, but it's like it just not like, like it this, just finds though. me. <laughs> no, I don't. I you know I get I I think I might just have to listen better to the MoMA dance. I think I just get sucked into the groove and then don't pay attention to something else maybe that's happening and it just kind of sounds the same. I don't know. I huh. I'm going to go back and listen to it some more. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to it some more. Do you know have you heard Black Eyed Katie? Yes. I actually couldn't remember what Black Eyed Katie was until cuz I always see it on the set lists and stuff when I was going through tapers and I was like, "What is that?" And then yeah. Uh, when you, you just said it, it, I was like, "That's right." Um, yeah, because I, I don't know. I there's a maybe it's worth mentioning. There's kind of a um, contingency of like online fans who are definitely like very pro Black Eyed Katie and kind of I think don't like MoMA dance as much. I'm not in that camp at all. I like I like the I like the whole thing. I like the lyrics and the I, I love the lyrics. I love the way Fishman I do love the lyrics. Yes. Yeah, Steady I will agree slap. with that. The lyrics Bobby are amazing. Cap. Yeah, Steady is, I love that Fishman thing. That yeah, I'm I'm really into it. Um, but I will say that I do love the. I don't know. It's surprising to me that this that you didn't this didn't wasn't a reaction to you because actually, in, for talking about the cow funk stuff, this is kind of like the. Uh, it's definitely the first example we're getting in this show, and there actually isn't a ton of it in this show. I thought there's depending on how you define that. Um, there's definitely a couple of moments coming up that have that, but I uh, well, this is interesting. So there you go. We're we're zigging and zagging on 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 MoMA. I just like when it's um, I like this kind of almost hybrid between we're gonna jam the hell out of the beginning part and play MoMA because um, after a while they didn't do the jam part, and then even like remember they took it for a walk in 2016 at SPAC. There was a long version of it, but that was really just like yeah. they played MoMA dance and then just like started it type two jam yeah i mean i'm hearing it in my head as i sit here and i'm kind of thinking like man might have messed up missed opportunity might have i might have i might have i might have misstepped on this one well we I'll, have i'll listen to it later i'll listen to it again we have a we have a whole second lemon wheel pod that we're gonna have to do so you know we can do we can Boom. just we can just correct our well, the whole second pod will just be yeah, us correcting the, just, first pod. the first yeah corrections uh corrections we'd like to make from last time <laughs> <laughs> there were actually fifty nine thousand nine hundred ninety three people um so uh okay so we disagree on that but that's fine that's good 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 content so I think we're probably gonna that's agree fine. it's fine uh, we're probably it's we're, fine. We're, we're all still good friends. Uh, <laughs> the next one I, I think we're probably going to agree on, which is Divided Sky. Yes. So Five. You went with a five. I did the cheating thing, and I threw a couple extras on there, so I threw seven. I threw seven. Oh, nice. Divided Sky. Good. This good. is um, I actually, yeah, I was going to do that, but then I ended up, because I was going to throw, um, there's one later that I threw, I started by throwing a couple extra on, and then I was going to put the... Uh, the rest back on simple, but I, I just decided to move them back. <laughs> I think I was, this pod's going to get to a point where I never actually give out fives. Like everything's like four point something or extras. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I'm already noticing, like I had simple down as I'm like, this is a five, just give it a five. And then I heard the other one and I was like, ah, 4.8. I'm bumping it. All right. Uh, this is a great version of divided sky. Um, 
it feels like uh, the fish.net note on this on the jam chart thing actually puts it really well that it uh, I don't I didn't actually copy it exactly but something like how it has the fire of the earlier fish versions of it but you can still hear the 98 stuff happening definitely um, it not it, not so much in the funk but just in terms of like the overall sound of the band on stage um, which I love that kind of in between eras sound um, and this is just excellently excellently played great solo by Trey at the end and uh it's just a funny kind of contrast with MoMA I think in terms of like just how that it MoMA is just like this sludgy solid thing and then Divided Sky is so nimble and fast and they're still doing them at good clips at this time you know uh, yeah I feel like nimble is actually the best description for Divided Sky like that's exactly what it is. This is nimble. I, I went with a five, but I'd be willing to throw like an extra point three on there, to yeah. be honest with you. I actually was, I was grilling for my parents when I listened, when I was listening to it for Excellent. the Excellent rating. fish listening and, uh, activity, yeah. And there happened to be a storm moving in, and I was like, you know, does it get any better? Oh, there you go. And when you're listening to Divided Sky, and above you, it's a Divided Sky. No, the answer is no. <laughs> it doesn't. Have they always done the really long, does the, has the pause just gotten progressively longer? Because this one's pretty long. This one's pretty long. There's actually somebody on fish.net who did a mathematical analysis of that. No. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out. And if I remember correctly, basically it gets to a certain point where they're pretty much the same length every time, around the same length every time. But I can't remember when that point is. It's <laughs> crazy. Because so, it get. Yeah. It, it started, yeah, I think it got longer in the 90s and then has remained the same, <laughs> but I can't remember. I'd have to bring it up. Yeah, this guy like actually like sat there and list, like counted from, you know, time from the last note played to when Trey plays the boom to come out of it. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, just can't say it enough, like just excellently executed. And I think this is so like germane. Is that the right? Germane to this era, this kind of like... um tight playing but also still able to lock into this kind of full band groove sound whenever they need to yeah and uh you know it's just a rare thing it's a rare thing for a band to have both of those things you know um so we're fans safe to say god they're so they're just so fucking good (laughs) um and we're in good you know and we're in good hands with a festival in 1998 too they're bringing it you know so um are you in good hands with lemon (laughs) wheel We have Water in the Sky and Funky Bitch coming up. Oh, baby. Uh, let me just... All right, so obviously I gave Water in, a, Water in the Sky a five. I'm, this is probably my favorite fish song. I, I, I mean that. Wow. In, uh, uh, in, in the context of like, I love all of the jamming of other songs and stuff, but Water in the Sky is like, a shout out to friend of the podcast, Tom. Best Tom Marshall, best lyrics like they're just so fucking good right filter out the evergreens like the everglades yeah. yeah thank you yeah i i started trying to remember all of the lyrics in my head so that i just <laughs> couldn't say any of them right there that was impossible i almost went through like five different lines but anyway the lyrics to that song are really really good Thunder i just calls love it through waterfalls rising oh, tides rising and ocean tides. walls they're yeah. just so good and so here's the, my thing with water in the sky too is that people who are into pop music might some of them don't really like fish because of the singing right um whether it's critics or just normal people that are just music fans that prefer like people who have quote-unquote vocal chops right (laughs) but with 
with fish and with the dead as well. They may not be great at singing, but they knew exactly how to sing uh, what they were singing. So they, they, they might not have been the best vocalists, but they could make their vocals sound exactly like it needed to for the music. And Water in the Sky, to me, is like the most perfect example of fish making a song where they needed to sing on it and they put the attitude of the sound or of the song perfect to the uh like how their vocals sound on it and it just comes out so perfectly it's so brilliant oh i love it so much i gave it a five like i said but um yeah that's what i have to say about water in the sky it's just so good their harmony is is spot on and it's it's amazing do you prefer the uh, the slow version or the fast version? I like them both, Kev. Okay. I don't discriminate. Yeah, I like the fast version a little bit more. It's I noticed this one's funny because it has the um it, it, the beginning Trey is sort of playing a little bit differently than he does now. Like now they just come in on page doing the waterfall piano sound effect thing, you know? The kind yeah, of waterfall yeah, yeah. effect. <laughs> but um Trey was still d- doing a little bit of bump, bump, bump at the beginning, which I thought was fun. Um, this is the eighth one they did in 1998 out of 11. Uh, wow. I, I really like Water in the Sky, and now I feel like, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to I, uh, it, it is not my favorite fish song, but I, it, um, I understand what you're saying. I, it's, uh, there's this one, and then there's one we hit later where I was sort of thinking like, just again how great they are that a song like this can just kind of get not swept under the rug that's not the right thing to say but sort of just like it doesn't feel like um a big showcase song that they really i'm not exactly sure what i'm saying but it doesn't it's not like something that has an impact in the world outside of this in a way that even something like a like a farmhouse does you know what i mean and i I think this is a, a better song than that I agree wholeheartedly, Kev. Um, I went with four and a half. <laughs> that's good enough for Dan. Yeah, good enough for me. I, uh, yeah, that's this is perfect because it's like, yeah, you, you, you're. You, I give your explanation of it five fins, the extra fins. Um, Thank you. Thank you. That was totally impromptu. Also, I just got really excited when I saw that it was coming up. It's good. I'm. I'm. Ha- <laughs> I like the enthusiasm. Um, I went with three and a half on Funky Bitch. I. Uh, I uh, I don't have anything against Funky Bitch. I just, uh, this felt a little tacked on to me. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, I went with a 4.3, but I also was like really high at that point. Um, <laughs> so almost anything was going to sound on sugar. really good. Yeah. We've already discussed sugar, your yeah, sugar high. Your sugar um, uh, intake. I love sugar so much. Um, the one thing that I would say, though, with Funky Bitch is the part where Mike does the long yell. Uh, yeah, him and Trey, like that was they. I don't. That was perfect, right? Like they're they're two Trey's note. Yeah, and Mike's. There wasn't even more exact. They were. The, yeah, sometimes it, uh, especially now, he'll have to like hit the note twice. Trey will have to hit it twice or something. You know, they'll yeah. be a little or bit he off. Has to like yeah. bend <laughs> just into Mike's vocal range yeah. thing or whatever. But this one, they, I was like, oh my god, that was really <laughs> impressive. But other than that, I feel like it was a pretty standard, like you were saying, kind of tacked on. Uh, normal type of thing. Leo, of course, always all over everything. Yeah, you mentioned Mike being a big star of this show, and I agree. Um, but yeah, I thought Leo uh, really gets going in set two. Man, I was like, 
we will get there but whew. um okay so uh yeah so you did you say what you gave funky bitch i can't remember uh i said 4.3 4.3 yeah i mean you know it's funny when a show, when a 3.5 is like one of my lowest rankings in a show you know we're we're doing yeah, good yeah yeah um so we got cities and then we close the groove because this is all still week of this is all still Mike's groove don't forget um so we got cities and then we close it with week of pog to end the set uh cities is all kinds of fun we got trey oh shouting out uh the portal at P- P- what is it portal at pagoda the garden of infinite yeah. pleasantries um and the big pond where what where steam comes out of i love when he does that like totally offbeat <laughs> the yeah Pond that steam comes out of and yeah. then he he has like every delay effect known to man flipped on, and he's trying to get people on the, uh, on the Ferris, Ferris wheel, wheel to get to sick. Get, dude, can you imagine if I was like, <laughs> first off, I would already be panicking because I was on a Ferris wheel, right? And then if if, if he said like I'm gonna get the people on the Ferris wheel sick, I would probably pass out and then throw up while passed out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh man, it's so good, and uh, I don't even. I gave it a five. I don't even. know. It's a it's the fifth time out of seven they did this in 1998. Obviously, uh, or not obviously, but should be mentioned that Cities is one that they did in the 80s and then brought back in the late 90s when the uh, okay, when wow, the fun they thing did it all the way back then. Yeah, because yeah. it's not on. Um, it's on. Uh, what's the album? That it's, it's on, on. Slip Stitch and Pass, right? Yeah, so that's. Uh, I, think... I mean, um, the Talking Heads album. It's not on. Oh, it's uh, on Fear of Music. Yes, I can't. Why can't I think of any of the names? It's not on. It's on Remain the... in Light, which is the one that they did. For Halloween, correct, yeah. So they so, debuted yeah. it at uh, Nectar's okay. in 1984, and then they played it through the 80s, and then uh, it came back. Let me look real quick. Oh, they played it in. Oh, they played a random one in 1994, and then it came back in 97, and it stayed in pretty much since then. So, yeah, I yeah. gave Cities my extra fins, just so you know. That was okay. I thought it was great. Yeah. So Cities, right, is I think a perfect example of, and people get ready to throw food and stuff at me fish does certain songs better than the original artist cities is one of these songs other ones include possibly some songs that may be coming up later in the the day mm-hmm. uh the first day i would say mm-hmm. um quinn the eskimo also one of those songs yeah uh, there's just there's several and uh yes fish is better at this song. Thank you, David Byrne, for writing it. But um, yeah, it's just not as good. Also, isn't it kind of funny how Fish slows down cities the way that Byrne slows down Stop Ma- or the way that Byrne slows down uh, Cross-eyed and Painless in Stop Making Sense? Fish slows down cities to make it like that intro, but it's not the song that they oh, do. But they also yeah. do Cross-eyed and Painless, and they still haul when they play that yeah. one. Yeah, it's I know. So what you cool. Mean. Yeah, they they start on in uh, stop making sense. They start it really uh, slow, right? They start cross eyed really slow and then speed up. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've always wondered what the uh, that's that's as good an explanation as any. But I've always wondered why why it happened, like how why they decided to come up with this cover for it. Um, it's yeah, and I, I don't love know, it, but it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's a great. It's a great decision. I agree with you. That's like my, probably the number one like greatest like cover decision in terms of changing the song around a little bit i think um yeah right oh man i uh, i'll also throw i'm gonna go ahead i'll be even more controversial than you dan i'm gonna throw even um ah, no i won't i was gonna say rock and roll but <laughs> um oh no I, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah 
No, I'll take yeah, it. Absolutely. I know, but it then... is totally better. Torn and Freight is better. Um, Torn and Freight is better, but Torn and Freight is like weird. They really Sweet they, Jane. They change it around a lot. Ah, uh, see, nah, see, I don't know about Sweet Jane. I'm, 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 I'm saying it here. <laughs> I'm starting. I'm starting it, man. So, um, did you give yeah, it? Ex- did you give know, Cities extra fins based on sort of the enjoyment fact, like the the fun factor? The enjoyment factor, yeah. There's no, there wasn't any like particular spot that like blew my mind per se that I like wrote down a timestamp for, but just the whole feel. And then when they after they, Trey does the thing, yeah, uh, with the Ferris wheel, they come back in and like I know that I can't see them, and they're obviously communicating with each other, so they know when they're supposed to come back in. Yeah, but like even looking at each other. Landing a note at the exact same time is difficult at, right. at times. Yeah. To start up again completely is, <laughs> my God. They're just like, all right, I'm going to make people on the Ferris wheel sick. That was fun. Ready, guys? Boom. And I was yeah. like, Jesus Christ, these guys are talented. <laughs> Uh, and when I give the signal, we'll break it down for a second just to me, and I'll see if I can make the people on the Ferris wheel sick. This is for you, people on the Ferris wheel. out of it is just so good they were really i will say they were seem to be not that they're not good at it now they're really good at it still but the transitions on in this set are ooh, and they just keep getting better the whole show i was like goodness me you guys are you guys are pretty good at this uh switching in between songs huh yeah not too shabby <laughs> yeah that like was they've done it Th- that this was one of the details I really remembered about this show bef- when I listened to it then and then re-listening to it for this was I remembered this cities into Weekapog thing, <laughs> and I remember like I used to walk around my neighborhood listening to Fish, and I can still remember where in my neighborhood I was when that transition happened. Um, oh. Yeah, I, uh, I I love the transition. Um, I went with four point eight on Weekapog. Um, I just feel like oh my god, so did I. Did you? Yeah, it feels like it's not quite a five, but it's damn close, and it ends the first set real well. And uh, yeah, the Bob Weaver, they, he yells Bob Weaver, so I yells didn't Bob realize Weaver. it was that old, but I, it is. Yeah, um, I didn't know either. I was gonna look that up, and I forgot how how long how far back does the I don't know. I thought but he was I also greasy am always listening. <laughs> there's gotta be <laughs> there's gotta be an example of them doing that that they were doing in twenty. 19 yep. somewhere the there's got it i gotta hear it i gotta find it um yeah week was pretty good pretty solid i noticed that a lot of the week from this from this year were insane um but you yeah. know what's so cool with week to me is the bass solo in the beginning is different than other bass solos right so like if you go to like a metallica concert or something not to disparage metallica but i will i will i won't disparage <laughs> mr trujillo because he's a really wonderful person but i will disparage the band um the way that like normal rock musicians or bands put their bass solo or their drum solo, like they set it aside. You know what I mean? Other people walk away from the stage or whatever, but nobody stops 
for the bass solo really they the drums keep going right behind it and yeah like, pretty much just page and tray drop out yeah yep and it just they just plows right through it and yeah i just think it's so much cooler than uh say like stopping and doing like a oh here's the ba-. it's i feel like it's different setting aside a moment in a song for a bass solo that changes every single time versus just having like you know stefan at the beginning of crush stand out there not to disparage <laughs> our oh, lord and savior because i would never do that no i would I, not do that i i'm so glad that you were the first you're, you're the first person to bring up dave matthews ben now this is now when it, uh, there's they're gonna i'm gonna bring them up later and i'm so glad that you oh, took the baby. bullet for me I'll take I'll take all those bullets because uh, uh, I would I that's right you know anyone who wants to complain about this pod uh, mentioning Dave Matthews Ben can email Dan I'll give you his address it you is you go ahead people I'll convert you to <laughs> to religion you it would be that that would be a great way actually to get people to listen to the pod but it, they would all hate us we would have only hate yeah. listeners I'd just be uh, proselytizing <laughs> about Dave Matthews the whole time um. So yeah, I think we're pretty much in agreement. This is a, oh yeah. By the way, I agree with your point. I like I um yeah bass solos, even in jazz. Sometimes you're like all right. Yeah. You know, As but, a bassist, I'm I'm like ah. You know you know um, don't leave it out there like that. But like, Gordon's uh, like, give me five seconds. Yeah, I agree with you because it's like actually part of the song and makes it like yep. a lot better. Um, and he's just in slap at the bass man. He's just slapping away, which yeah. I love. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's a little off actually in this one. I thought there was a moment where there's a little bit of like a what? What are we? Okay, and then it was, uh, and then they speed up a lot at the end too. I like that. And Trey starts saying like, "Okay, just walk around, everybody, hang out, go check yeah, out, have a good time. We'll see you guys in a little so while." So that's what we're gonna awesome. leave our audience with: go around, walk around the grounds, uh, you know, check, check out, out that garden, the garden, check out whatever whatever your garden of infinite pleasantries is. That could be all of the things that could that be misconstrued, but yeah, all of the things <laughs> mentioned in cities. Go check them out. Yep. The Port uh, Pagoda, Google. the elephant statue, the pond that steam comes out of. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we are going to uh, be back on stage at some point for uh, set two. So stay tuned to Five Fins. Yeah! to five fins hello lemon wheel edition oh lemon flavored we should get lemon flavored we should get t-shirts made up i don't know (laughs) that's a bad idea (laughs) stickers we could do stickers um stickers everybody likes sticker i likes a good sticker um we are back for set two of three sets in an unprecedented five fins moment um (laughs) So here is set two from Limestone, and we are building pyramids with limestone blocks so large. I just have to say, I am really dumb, and I probably have listened to, I've definitely listened to this show a few times now. I've listened to Great Went, I can't tell you how many times. 
and just never picked up on that's why they were always opening sets with it. <laughs> this is my this is my first time just now. Did you realize that? Did I realize? did not until See? you said limestone blocks so large. Limestone went, blocks oh, so large. Get shit. it? Limestone main. I'm going to say at least if I had some excuse, it would be because the uh, great went is a soundboard. So you don't actually hear the crowd cheer. But when the crowd cheered that line, I was like, oh, right. The thing. Because they're. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we open with the wedge. Um, this is the fourth wedge played of six wedges in 1998. Um, it's funny we just came off recording the Chicago 2014 show because obviously that one has the crazy Paradise City <laughs> wedge. Um, this is a much more standard take on the tune. Um, I liked it, but uh, I definitely see that there's more coming down the line here that I'm gonna like a lot more. Um, yeah. So I just went with a, a rock solid four out of five fins, rock solid. Yeah, I uh, I also went with a four. That's a pretty rock solid. I thought it was pretty standard. Um, I will say, though, that when I was listening to this to date, kind of when I was listening to it at uh, the 315 mark, um, the Bucks were up four. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the song, the Bucks were up eight. Okay. So we have so. the live updates on game seven. <laughs> yes. We have the, the live at the time. Yes. Live on tape. Uh, yeah, any other thoughts on The Wedge? I didn't really have anything else. No, it's pretty standard. Another one that I just really like the lyrics to. Uh, it's got like a cool feeling, but yeah, you know, standard. Seems standard like they wedge. opened with it basically because of the limestone lyric. And also yeah. they opened uh, uh, set at the uh, Great Went with it. So, you know, makes sense. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, after we listened, like you said, after we listened to that last one, like, oh, man. Yeah, I that's mean, that's probably stick like- with me for a while. Yeah, that's it's probably like the best one ever played. <laughs> so <laughs> it's gonna <clears throat> it's gonna stick with you for a while. Um so we have Reba coming next. Do we ever? Um I think this is gonna be a surprising moment in the podcast. Uh oh no. So I love Reba. This has been brought up many times at this pod already, even though I don't think we've even covered it that many times, but I find excuses to bring it up. Um, this is a good version. And uh, for the time period, I think this is a relatively standard one. Um, it's a very good standard uh, take on the uh, the crescendo buildup. You know, um, it, it has a, the beginning of the jam, I feel like has a really great quality to it. I like what Paige is doing. I just, if I have a criticism of it, I just feel like it's a tiny bit, uh, it, it it seems like it struggles to kind of get out of that zone. And I also made the mistake of like listening to the Clifford Ball one, which is like one of my favorite ones. And I don't know. I uh, also listened to some other 1998 versions that I feel like also had a great uh, beginning of the buildup, but delivered oh, yeah. more on the end. And okay. the Gorge 98 version, I just want to shout that out. Um, this is the first time I heard that, I think, that I can remember. And that one has a lot of the jam really begins with um, more 1998-ness. It's kind of like it has like the Wicked Chicka uh, oh, guitar shit, and stuff. Really? But then it leads, okay. yeah, into a Reba jam. And then there's um, there's another one from later on in the year that I listened to that was on the jam charts that was great. And... Um, yeah, I mean it's a, uh, it's it's so hard for me to be like, to give this. I I went with a four point four. I was trying to be. I was trying so hard to uh, 
I, I, I wanted to, uh, <laughs> I, I tried so hard to get it up there, but I, I don't know. It just, everything was great about it, except I just thought, felt like the ending didn't quite coalesce in the kind of way that it, like a festival Reba, I feel like, should or something to that effect. yeah that's fair i mean so i gave it a five but i totally get what you're saying and mine might have been tainted a little bit um one thing i can say is that 98 reba halls like every time that yes. we talk about reba too like when we would do this on phone calls which is basically the same thing as we're doing right now yeah um but like you would always be like, yeah, like Reba used to be even faster. And I would be like, is it though? And then I go back and listen to this and stuff. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's it's okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> a little faster. bit. That's pretty fast. Um, So here's what I will say, though, is uh, 10 minutes into the song, bucks by seven, 44 seconds left. Uh, 10, 52, 25 seconds left. Bucks by eight. Uh, 12 minutes in, there's like a lilting guitar. Uh, Fishman is like the center stage, like big big noticeable thing um 13 and a half or 13:45 uh is where like the build up's going um it's super i like that part of the jamming but uh like you said the, re- the build up itself was pretty standard reba um 10 seconds bucks by 7 uh <laughs> then there was whistling and it was awesome and then i'm not kidding when i say reba ends and the bucks win at the exact same oh, wow. time there it was pretty go. it was pretty trippy. Yeah. Um, it was pretty uh pretty trippy that it all lined up the way that it did. But I, I gave it a five. I, I'd be willing I, I think I could, you know, knowing after I'm gonna go listen to the gorge. I'm gonna end the phone call right here. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't blame you if you did. It was pretty <laughs> it was pretty incredible. The uh other version that I had was uh that I listened to was from the Fillmore, ten fifteen ninety eight. Um, I didn't know anything about this show. I guess it was like a secret show. We can do a whole episode about it sometime if we want. Uh, it was that a, sounds fantastic. Can we a do a secret, secret episode about it? A secret episode. <laughs> Our podcast is already pretty secret. It's yeah. <laughs> In the well, sense, no one's listening. More here. secret. Well, we won't even post it. Well, re- yeah. Yes, it'll just be a conversation <laughs> we have. <laughs> um, we'll be go full full circle from just having conversations to the podcast to secret episodes <laughs> that are just conversations. Um. Yeah, like I say, I uh, you know, I'm I feel like as a staunch uh, Reba-ist, um, the same kind of thing I feel with uh, Split Open and Melt, which is I love the song obviously, and I love the composed section, and they can still do it really well in this period. But I feel like the jamming in both of them can sometimes be it, it lacks a it lacks a little bit of the intensity of the early '90s, but it doesn't have the really sort of spacious quality of uh, of some of the newer ones. So. Don't get me wrong. There's 98 versions that are amazing. The the um, Island Tour, you know, there's a million great ones. I'm not saying that it was bad. But I do think sometimes there's, um, in the 97, 98 period, there's songs that are just like a little bit caught in the uh, no man's land. <laughs> they are the no men. Nice. Uh, between uh, different eras, I guess. And uh, this is just one where I felt like they they ambienteded it up so much that it was hard to get out of there. That was, that was like my feeling about it, but it's funny because the next track we get to is the opposite thing where the, uh, 1998ness of it makes it incredible. Um, so our next track is gumbo. And I just have to say, I have to begin this by saying on the last episode, you were enraged, incensed, uh, (laughs) engulfed, 
in anger uh, that I had the uh, the audacity, let's say, yeah, to uh, give that a three point six. And I will look. I will say that yeah. that was low. It was too yeah. low. But I did mention that you know in the nineties, Gumbo really could go places. And I know. I'm supposed to be comparing 1.0 against 1.0, 2.0 against 2.0, but you know what? I'm sorry. Like this is what I'm talking about with Gumbo. It's a great song. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, we all we all say things that are hyperbolic. Sometimes I do that, you know, and <laughs> and then I go and 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 hear you out for Jacques what you're Hughes. saying, and and I feel a little dumb. This might be one of those times. It's I don't not, know who's to say. But this uh, this gumbo uh, is is something else. Um, so it kind of leans into. I don't know if you time stamped it or not. I didn't do timestamps, but it leans Just into one. the jam with a almost kind of a main taker kind of vibe um, coming from Trey, and then gets into this upward chord progression. Um, online, it really talks about this being a sort of a tweezer reprise esque jam. Um, oh, that's I interesting. Just, yeah, I didn't really feel that as much to me the no. uh, uh it just feels like an upward chord progression but uh, i i kind of felt like it was more theme like like it almost kind of yeah. had like a theme from the bottom type feel to it which is funny because that's a downward chord progression right it's like yeah that in reverse yeah that's a little bit closer to what it is and um i mean this is just what you pay the price of admission for isn't it this kind of thing to me <laughs> i just like because it's um the beginning of the jam you know what kind of sinks into that groove they could just sit in that for as long as they wanted, but then it's sort of um, the way that this really molds and transforms into that progression, and then the way it comes it comes out of it, and into the more like uh, yeah. major chord I mean, is, stuff. It, I just think it, uh, this is beautiful, you know. And uh, is, is it a like type two? Is it a, is this a type two? Would you yeah. say? Okay, gotcha. We're gonna have to I do wasn't a... exactly sure what what. I still will never figure that out. I don't think, I, even though it's very obvious. I I just. <laughs> It's one of those things. Sometimes when their things are too obvious, I just don't understand them. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I just yeah. This is definitely. Was yeah, there went, a Leo outro? I didn't. <clears throat> I didn't notice. No, so it doesn't really have that, mm. and and I think that leads it to become this kind of like, uh, rickety like uh, this rhythm machine outro where P- Fishman's just hitting that uh, ride symbol and Trey's like right on top of that. I just. I, I mentioned this in the last one, but it just surprises me that they this isn't one that they've ever slotted in 3.0 to kind of come back in this way because I really feel like the jamming style would fit this well. And there's like, I was looking yeah. at the, the 3.0 uh, jam charts and like the one you and I saw at Glens Falls is on there. Now, don't get me wrong. That was a good version. It was fun. But like compared to this, it's a whole different animal. Um, yeah. This is, I, think I mean, the, I still, yeah, I still gave it a five, but. Yeah, uh, Gumbo gets my extra fins for set two. Hey <laughs> um, it's uh, there's obviously other jams in this that I I love, but uh, to me, uh, this is the to use my little pretentiousness card here. It's this is a this is a much more like formally inventive jam than anything that is in the rest of the set. As in, there's fewer of these extremely unique Gumbos floating out there than there are for some of the other ones that we're gonna get to, and I just. Again, this is to me like what what it's all about is the moment where that where type two really describes the moment where the jam breaks free of that thing where if you were listening to 30 seconds of it, you'd go, oh, yeah, this is the jam on gumbo. Right. It reaches this point where you have no idea where you're headed 
or mystery jam going. territory and exactly mystery jam monday territory and uh yeah i just i'm i'm all about uh trey creating new chords and then soloing over the chords he just created that's just my favorite type of music yeah that's pretty cool uh-huh. the, uh at like 12 minutes there's like a mix of darkness and lightness yeah. between them and that was just like uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> well too graphic <laughs> <laughs> and yeah just coming out of the uh the sort the kind of upward progression and then it it, it changes to this more like sort of major chordy light thing i actually do wish they had kept going on that a, a tiny bit longer um i even listened to uh other uh gumbos from this period and uh there was the one there's one from uh deer creek in 98 that opens the second set and that one um actually maybe was even s- slightly better he said under his breath um that one really begins and ends with the manteca uh, thing, but it has a little bit more of that uh, exploratory vibe that is in the um, I, like how I mentioned the uh, Mike song and simple from Vernon Downs. Like the Mike song from that is totally different than the one we get in this show because it just goes completely <laughs> into different yeah. territory. And this gumbo is kind of like that with this one, not to the same degree, but um, this was just a really great golden age for uh, for the gumbo. So. Um, yeah, I can't say enough about it, and it gets my extra fins for set two. So the major chords are happening, and they figure out what rhythm they're in, and suddenly, (laughs) Dan, take it away. Sanity just came our way. It sure did. (laughs) Oh man, Um, I love this song. I didn't give, yeah, I didn't give it like all my extra fins. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to though, as I, as I sit here in the moment, (laughs) I think I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna combine it with gumbo and throw my extra fins at it. Not all of them. I'm going to save some of them for later. Mm. For later. But look, Sanity, probably like my top, I don't know, probably top five songs, right? has to be. It's definitely the one that I'm chasing right now that I would love to see more than any other song. It's so great. There are standout versions, of course. Live Fish 10. I love, I just love it. The lyrics are freaking great. The attitude of the song is great. The juxtaposition of dark and light is great. It's very fishy. 
Yeah. It's very scary. Like you, like if you were in a certain frames of mind, like that transition yes. from dark to light would probably be a lot and really beautiful. And it feels like Armageddon. And I love things that make me feel like Armageddon. So God, it's just such a good song. The outro of it is insane too. Am I right? Like the transition between this and the next song was just yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. There's some good transitions in the show in general. Um, yeah, I, we talked about cities, week of Pog. This is a good one. There's one later. That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I yeah, I love Sanity. I mean, it's just a funny song. I uh, By the way, fun fact for all the people out there, uh, that this took me a long time to really know that uh, that little guitar line that ends that the verse, the... That is lifted directly from Ro Jimmy, in case you were curious about it. Yeah, I know. There's it's the got, connection. It's got to be one of the oh my smallest. Gosh. And it's called Sanity. I bet you someone someone had a whole mental freak out with that. You already know it. Like, yeah. they figured that out and they were like, oh my God, man, <laughs> Sanity, it's all connected. Yeah. Oh my God, did Jerry's soul yeah. fly into Trey after he died? Ex- really explode later on? He doesn't care. If anybody was at Lemon Wheel, if the we world can, explodes, he uh, just doesn't care. We can uh, try to confirm whether or not the stars sucked because, man, people really go nuts for that stars sucked line. <laughs> so maybe it was a bad night for the stars. I don't know. Um, yeah, Sanity is great. It's, you mentioned, uh, or yeah, we were kind of referring to Iculus Frank as another Zappa. example yeah. of Sorry. this. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the, it's just of the, uh, I always lump this one and Iculus together as like just great, funny, like fun songs. Beautiful, it's, yeah. I don't know. Um, in terms of ranking different versions, this is where the whole system kind of falls apart. Because it's like I don't know. Right. So, uh, yeah, I threw five on uh, Sanity. It's the. It's like uh, a Zappa song, right? It's like definitely. I could Zappa. see Zappa playing this song. Z- and yeah, that little break with the guitar, where they're just like, "Here's ten seconds of guitar that's just gonna make your head explode." It also it's almost too. It reminds me more of almost like comic, like punk rock, like like Dead Milkman or something. Ooh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like just like that kind of like jokey they even used to do it and i'm glad they changed this but early on it was they did it as like a fast like it was like um you can seek out early versions of it that have that but this is the first of two they did in 1998 they didn't play it at all in 1997 they barely ever play it yeah yeah two is if this gets out (laughs) if this gets out before we see fish at uh hershey um fan meet up at hershey by the way everybody shout yeah, out to right. all the friends of the podcast. we're gonna have to find um, <laughs> the world's uh, smallest meetup yeah um if if uh if you hear this trey or tom uh <laughs> play sanity at hershey that's all yeah do it for dan i'm i know do it I'm, for I'm dan down too. doesn't even have to be me dan it could be any dan that any likes dan. the song win, just to, you know win just one for the gipper is what i say um <laughs> so we got <laughs> So like you said, yeah, Sanity uh, de- uh, kind of de- devolves nicely into our next track, which is Tweezer. Ooh. If you listen closely, you can actually hear people's helmets clicking. They're getting ready <laughs> for, for what was about to happen to them. But So this is the ninth of 14 Tweezers in 1998. I like uh, So a couple notable things right off the bat. We have the thing where the tray starts with the rift and then everything stops. Before they yeah. come, they all come back in. Sometimes Fishman will hit a snare drum in that little space, but nope, just nothing. And then it just all comes flooding in. Um, this is a, a tweezer that I, uh, it was, it's funny. I, I listened to this 
set a bunch of times and I was kind of thinking how like, yeah, a bunch. And I was thinking how um, unusual it is for a set to have like tweezer in it and have that like arguably be like the third best jam in the set, you know? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) It's it's interesting because, you know, um, it made me think of the, the Great Went version, which I went back and listened to. I, I, I prefer that one a little bit. I don't want to keep doing this. I realized this happened to me with a lot of these songs is that I kept checking other versions and then was like, huh, now I'm a little colder on this than I want to be. But um, I, this is a good version. I would say it's a pretty, it's sort of in the standard form of a lot of the jams uh, or a lot of the tweezer jams from that time, from this time, in that it starts out very slow and funky and then builds up to kind of a tray frenzy. And then, uh, you know, kind of like devolves into this sort of power chord, like heavier jamming. You get more of that, I think, in the there's there's a fair bit of that in the uh, the Great Wind version, too. It's actually the versions are actually pretty similar between the two. Um, yeah, the later the later part of the jam I I just described as crazy fast chugles was the only thing I could think of chugles. to describe. Yeah, just crazy fast chugles like that the whooshing part that Trey's doing. It's like a whoosh, 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 whoosh. Yeah, it's more heavy. It seems more heavy. Like it's more of an attempt at kind of that like really like heavier jamming style. Um, Is there a keytar at one point too around like the five minute mark? It sounds like a keytar. I thought it was just paid like the meat stick thing, but I could be wrong. I, oh, there, maybe there's... change the dials on Little Pumpkin, make it something crazy. Yeah, the what's the? Uh, it's not even Little Pumpkin, but like the one he does. Oh, like it's not the... Little Pumpkin. Yeah, that's like the. It's just a clap. Yeah, it is just a clap. Um, it does say that there was a, a brief appearance by the Moog synthesizer, so that might be part of it. Moog synthesizer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that Moog, might be yeah. what you're hearing. Um synthesizer i went with 4.6 fins okay yeah i went with 4.3 okay yeah i liked it uh but it definitely doesn't do it's this is like probably the ultimate example of i'm sure if you're there and you're in the field and they start playing it and the way this jam goes you would never be like yeah that wasn't perfect but like when you can hear definitely when you when we're this far removed from it and you can hear all these amazing versions from this time you know yeah it feels like especially for a festival um, this isn't like, this is more of a, along a standard lines. Whereas I feel like the gumbo, uh, I think it's a more interesting jam. It changes more, which I like, and it isn't just the kind of like sludgy funky stuff. Um, but there's also really a lot of, upon listening to it a few times, like Trey really does start to heat up about three quarters of the way through it and just really start to rip up. But it's funny how, when I'm thinking of it, you know, it the, it feels like the beginning of the jam is sludge funk and the end of the jam is sludge funk. <laughs> and there's just like this period where it kind of livens up. But, you know, I think uh, I think we're rating this uh, adequately. Right. We're not yeah. slamming tweezer. Yeah. We're, we're, I said it is. Uh, I said it was is it was, was really it was good, but it was nothing to write home about necessarily. You know what I mean? It was it was a good jam, but it wasn't like the it wasn't the highlight. I would say, like no. you said, it's probably like the third best jam of the set, which, which is, is strange for Tweezer. Bonkers, yeah. Uh, when you start the set with Reba and Gumbo, you know, I'm, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Can't change that. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Um, so as the kind of cool down out of Tweezer, we get the horse into Silent in the morning. Uh, we did. We mm. had Silent in the last show we did, but there was no horse. The horse is here. It's a good song. Good song. Well played. Uh, I like the it's placement. always pretty. 
Uh, I like yeah. it coming out of a jam. Um, so I, uh, I I wrote down four point eight. I don't know what else I was oh, wow. looking for. Yeah, I guess I could go. Must have yeah. must have been a nudge with the elbow there. Um, yeah, I I went with a four. To me, I guess it was kind of like you know without too much variation in the song every time that they play it. Actually, I don't know what I'm talking about either. I'm gonna give it a four and a half because I should. Uh, it's just pretty. It's just a really pretty song. And the lyrics, again, I say it for like every single song, but it's because I need to drill it into people's heads that <laughs> Fish writes really good lyrics. They're not all silly. Yeah, you're higher on the lyrics of this song than I am, but I do like some of them a lot. I also, I was thinking um, the uh, a great, another example of like a great, I think totally like accidental thing that I think that this exact thing happened to me just last year. Just ends up working <laughs> yeah. really well with all the, you know, yeah. like they had just had a festival there last year. Plus, like, uh, you know, when I, anytime they play this at a New Year's show, it's like, oh, this, that, because, you know, which I can't even imagine was on his mind when he wrote the song, you know, but just yeah. like, yeah. Also, I think Tom's mentioned, like, he didn't even think that those songs were going to be part of a song suite. Like, Trey was the one who came up with that whole idea. So, kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wrote down this is one that's just placement, like in the same way to me, like with the bluegrass and stuff. Like it's just the only thing I can yep. rate it on is placement if they play it well. Right, so yeah. I liked it. So uh, nice. we get Chalk Dust Torture next. Oh. Uh, I wrote down, I, I gave this a five and I wrote down it's in not fucking around mode from the word go. Uh, yeah, I would I would 100% agree with that. Uh, in the words of podcast daddy, not my tempo. It's uh, a little fast. I was like, oh, my God, slow down, people. Jeepers. Creepers. We're going to have to clarify that spot, uh, podcast daddy is Stephen Hyden, the great music yeah, podcaster. The and wonderful, wonderful person man. we really, really hope doesn't sue us based on this guy. He's yeah. not. No, he loves us. He's friend of the pod. But his lawyer don't. No, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm, but right. Yeah. <laughs> Not your temp. So you're against the. You don't like the the really I'd, fast. Yeah, ones? you know, I think Chagda sounds better a little, just a you know a little bit slower. It doesn't have to be like a uh, a slow fest. Like it doesn't have to be super slow. But I I feel like this tempo. I get it. Like especially seeing them, like even like back then, because they would have been like what our our age ish, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Then yeah. Oh man, <laughs> doing great. Um. Yeah, I know. Just, just yeah. blow right by that. <laughs> right? Uh, but, yeah, it's crazy how fast they're playing. It fits really well. I just I feel like it's so jarring from all of the versions that I know now. Because it, yeah. it wasn't one of the songs that I, like, really figured out for a while for some reason. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I gave it a four. Yeah, I mean, I went with five just because the versions of it in this time period are it, – it, it, like this you know it didn't become really the sort of exploratory thing until until 3.0 oh okay i uh yeah i i like it and i actually really like that they still have this in them this late in their career because i do think that you know that just that starts to slip a little bit after this i think I, i i i'm sure 99 they're still kind of bringing it with some of the songs but like it it's this show feels like I haven't done this whole thing yet, but the show feels very like it is on the cusp of this uh, transitional phase between the beginning of that uh, switch from 96, 97 to the funkier sound towards this more sort of languid ambient sound. And obviously we're hitting ambient stuff later on here, but um 
I like that they can still just go nuts on this. Like I it it I appreciate that it still has the they still have this quality to them in this period and they're not afraid to bring it out. It does feel funny with this show because this happens again to me in the third set where these fast songs just seem to like almost be a corrective to how much <laughs> how much ambient slow stuff is going on. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like it's yeah. just like, all right guys, here we go. Let's wake everybody up, you know, kind of uh, in a way. Not that people were asleep, but you know what I'm saying, figuratively speaking. Um, I do. But then it kind of, again, this happens sort of in the third set again, but uh, the energy then changes to uh, Slave to the Traffic Light, which is our net, which is our set closer. Whoa, baby. Um, this is a great version of, of Slave. Um, I rated it, uh, let's just say Traffic Light. I don't, I don't like saying that. Uh, <laughs> it's a great version of the song. Um <laughs> And I made the mistake again of going back and listening to Great Went. And I think I like that version just a tiny bit better. But I okay, okay, okay. I thought the build up to this was great. Similar in a way I felt to uh, the way I felt about um, Divided Sky, where it feels like these songs, um, you know, I'm, I was being a little bit tough on uh, Reba for and... Uh, or uh, split up in a melt. That was the other one where it kind of falls. Sometimes the jamming kind of falls through the cracks of like the older, the older stuff doesn't sound exactly dialed into the late nineties yet, even though we're in 98. But uh, this is an example where I think slave sounds really good here. And uh, I, uh, you know, I mean, I, I just think it's a perfect build. It's a great way to end the set. Um, It's surprising they would do chalk dust and then this, but uh, I don't know. I was in a very everybody chalk dust torture. Yeah, yeah, they could have done the reprise. Yeah, I I gave uh, Slave a five plus, so it was originally my extra fins, but as we were talking, I decided to change it. Um, It's such a beautiful song, and I, you know, I hate to say it, but I have a Dark Star comparison. Now, bear with me. (laughs) There's Uh, white people on stage playing instruments. There, there is. It's a very atmospheric (laughs) jam. Right. Initially, they both start very in a very atmospheric place. Now, do they coalesce to the same thing? No. But if the Dark Star that crashed had been following the traffic laws as established by Slave to the Traffic Light, it wouldn't have ever crashed. It could have been preventable. So that's 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 what I have to say about that. That's all. I'm just saying for the Dark Star's sake, it would never have had to crash. Who knows what would have happened if it had been obeying the laws of traffic. Um right. And after after uh after a long long set, I feel like this would have probably been a really nice feeling, a nice calm feeling. It always is, isn't it? Like doesn't it always just feel great at a show when they played Traffic Light? You're just like, "Man, this is beautiful. This yeah. is great. You can I, sit down at the beginning if you need to. Yes. Like, it's just wonderful. I used to, when I watched webcasts in LA, I used to lie on the floor at the beginning and then gradually stand up. Oh they, my goodness. I, I'd recommend that. Um, that sounds like a genius move. I was thinking about it uh, when I was listening to this, that this is a song that, uh, <laughs> here comes Kev's uh, ner- <laughs> impromptu nerd corner. <laughs> but it sounds like, uh, I was thinking like as a... Um, you, you know, there are a lot of fish songs from the period that this was written that have this type of um, uh, structure to them, right? Where it starts with lyrics and it's a little goofy and then there's kind of a composed part or there is a composed part and then there's like a big 
jam that culminates in it you know there's a bunch of songs from you know the early period that have that structure and to put it in a to put it in the, in the nicest possible terms uh like slave is probably like the simplest version of that right like it's much less complex um in the composed section than something like reba or yam um it's you know more you know it the the um it, it's not like lyrically intensive like reba it doesn't have kind of the jam crazy intensity of like a uh you know a david bowie or something wink uh so hey uh i was just thinking about like i think it's yeah i i really love slave to the traffic light because it does sort of sound like a song it, it's it's like the lowest it, it's like the level of tray composition that somebody could feasibly write you know like it doesn't feel yes. like when i hear something that i'm just like even like parts of the middle section of like Harry hood i'm like not sure how he came up with that but like <clears throat> slave, slave to the traffic light does sound like them in the 80s jamming and going oh yeah let's put that reggae thing in oh let's like and i know that's probably not how they wrote it i think he was he probably wrote it out but um you know i just uh i think it's really always placed well at the end of these second sets and i think it um i guess my point in saying all that was that i really love it almost because it's like a bridge between like a regular song and the crazy fish structure of songs and i i like that about it a lot and obviously the jam is so great and cathartic yeah that uh it's a perfect end for set two which is often where it shows up so yeah i went with the five as well i liked it a lot 100 percent agree with that sense yeah nailed it all right good job well as trey would say um uh, we're gonna come back and do another set so just chill out wander around (laughs) get some food probably getting to bay about that time gonna want to eat something Hit the portal at Pagoda if you need to now. Bathrooms. Uh, Always go to the bathroom. Yeah. Make sure you're drinking water. Drinking water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we stay need hydrated. To stay hydrated. Um, that's what I need to do, actually. And uh but yeah, this is a uh this is a really good set. I had a lot of fun uh re listening to this set and like analyzing it over and over and like being like wondering like just the from Reba through Tweezer, I just think is like a is a really good run, and uh, I I don't think I have anything else for set two. Are you ready to uh, wander the grounds? Yeah, I I, I want to go check out the Garden of, of uh, Infinite Pleasantries if that's right. possible. Let's we can it. slide over there. Slide and I probably there. need a grilled cheese too. Yeah, go go to the uh, pond that steam comes out of, and uh, all right. So we will be right back with the unprecedented. Set three here on Five Fins. Yeah! Fins. Hello. 
<laughs> uh, despite what you just heard, we still have the same co-host in Dan here. And yep, it's me. I'm Dan, the co-host. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm here, guys. Nobody freak out. Put out an all-point bulletin. We're missing him. Um, <laughs> we are here for the uh, first ever Five Fins uh, set three. Oh, baby. So we are going to hopefully not, you know, collapse under the pressure. We're going to try to keep the same level of unprofessionalism that we had in the first two sets. <laughs> uh, and uh, we open this set with NICU. Uh, this is the second NICU played out of 10 in 1998. Um, I like NICU quite a bit, but I have to say this was just sort of like, an, okay, yep, they're coming back out. Uh, the play at Leo thing was great. Uh, you know, it was a great, very spirited, very yeah, spirited play part. at Leo. That's so much fun. Um, I went with a 3.5. I just thought it was uh, here and then uh, set the table for what we're about to get to. Yeah, definitely table cloth down type yeah. of song. Um, and I, I went, yeah, I went with a four, my average, my my standard. <laughs> yeah. So pretty uh, it's short. It's funny. I, I really like NICU, but then we've done this one and then we did the, I think it was at the, the Pete show the peterson event center yeah. show was the same thing where it was it was good but it was like just kind of setting up the action for what, what yep. we were about to get to so uh and what we're about to get to is david bowie which comes next Ooh, um so i when i originally listened to this show this was actually split into two different tracks that uh it actually had the first thing labeled as jam into david bowie but suffice to say uh there is like eight minutes of uh like ambient sound in place of like where the normal Bowie intro would be. Right. Um, these Bowie intros are, we're getting like longer and spacier, but this is a very notable version of that. <laughs> um, it really sets the scene, I think in the kind of 1998ness of it. And I really liked that about this. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Dave Matthews band earlier. So I'm going to jump on it. There's something about it where it almost kind of weirdly reminds me of, the beginning of Don't Drink the Water, where they come out and just sort of, Ooh, yeah. you know, play like one note again. People are going to be like, how could, how dare you? I don't know who. We we understand the difference, people. Calm down. <laughs> we understand the difference, but it just sort of, um, it's not so much that it's an intro jam in the sense that they're not really like playing a lot of different things. <laughs> it's sort of just the. It's like an intro like creation. Mood. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> what it's like dark star so hear me out <laughs> hear me out both both david bowie and dark star start with a d okay <laughs> it's true neither one of them so, is black star right yeah uh-huh, uh, by okay. radiohead or uh black star the, the group bowie. or black star by bowie and star bowie dark star black yep. star star boom there Ziggy you go. stardust there's all there's something it's all connected. There. It's all connected. <laughs> That's what I've got <laughs> through deletion. <laughs> um, in terms of the actual um, 
Did you have anything to say about the uh, uh, where you kind of taken aback by the ambient intro? We haven't gotten to yeah, that song. Yeah, I yet. I've heard those before because I knew that they existed, and I love those so much. Those like early the intro parts to the songs like that is just so friggin' cool. Um, I yeah, I, there's not. I mean, I don't I don't have like a specific thing to say about the intro. Just that it's uh, Spacey Fish is like my favorite fish the crazier and weirder things get um always good i can only imagine too how awesome that build-up feels in person yeah you mentioned the potentially uh you know the uh uh what would you say the 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 whatever people might be up to uh during the show and i feel like at this point it has to be kicking in and uh yeah that it would it would freak me out if it was like are they playing the song or is this a jam or and outside of the intro when they actually you know begin to play david bowie which is about eight minutes in um there uh i think it's a fantastic version there's a really there's a lot of really great interplay between page and trey which we which we of course call sammy's on this podcast um but I thought that's this was a really fantastic uh, example of that early on. There's at least two or three distinct sections where uh, the agitated minor chordness of the jam lets up yes. into this more uh, beautiful bliss-like space, but still with that sort of drive. And uh, we haven't, I don't think, gotten to a 3.0 David Bowie yet, and I don't want to turn the Lemon Wheel episode into a 3.0 episode, but <laughs> I will say that, like, this is this is the kind of Bowie that I like when that I want I want to like look back on as a reference point whenever we get to one and I'm like being a little crabby about it. <laughs> just like just remember <laughs> like the I think the thing about it is that the the space that uh, that Bowie affords is this kind of I know I've already said it, but this agitated like uh, sense that I think really propels the jam forward. It's not just sort of sitting in kind of a a dark space you know it's very it has it's very propulsive but it still has this sort of you know it's not uh blissful and it's not really like rock and roll you know (laughs) rock with a capital w you know it's It's still very finesse yeah it's fish it's so finesse of the ph (laughs) exactly and i I just um, I feel like sometimes in 3.0 it kind of plays like run like an antelope's little brother and I don't like that <laughs> because you can clearly hear or it just these versions are just so um, illustrative of what like how great uh, this song was in this period and this isn't even like specifically like a crazy uh, you know noteworthy one if you were to go through just all you know late 90s versions of Bowie but I I mean, it's the I should say it is noteworthy for the intro, um, and you know, it's it's I I just this is the version of fish in this period that I really love. That I feel like um, to keep tying back to like the split open and melts. I feel like um, I didn't get as much of this kind of vibe from that, um, but in this Bowie, you really get the sense of this kind of that uh, that period of fish, uh, the kind of agitated dark i keep using that word but that's all i can think of like almost like it's it's dark but not mired in darkness stash would be another good example of this where um there are versions i think in the late 90s where they just take this to an absolute uh like logical extreme and this is a great version of that so potentially unsurprisingly david bowie gets my extra fins for set nice i was wondering if that would happen
this Bowie overall, totally. Um, I didn't go full five, but I think I would. Never go full five. <laughs> never, never go full five. Um, yeah, I think it, it uh, all the lead up to it, because uh, I had listened to, also, I had listened to it once already, like, all the way through. It was uh, pretty hot coming in. Um, yeah, I think that the rest of the set actually just pulled me away from Bowie, though. Um, 4.6. Uh, I feel like wow. the rest of the set kind of made me be like, all right, all right. But with the intro, I could I could get talked up to a five. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, I think 4.6 is actually fair. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, like, some of these I do have trouble ranking them against other versions of it because it's going to be, you know, there's a lot out there. <laughs> <laughs> for a Bowie bunch. in the 90s yeah a bunch and this maybe doesn't quite like when the actual song part kicks in you know because it's funny you look and you're like 24 minutes and then eight of it is the intro yeah. but I yeah I just think uh, it, for this period this is kind of the jamming style like I like when we visit these 90s shows I like kind of actually like being mired in the way that the jamming what what was the best version of kind of that jamming in that time period you know right it was close with another one we're going to get to but yeah i i thought uh for this set i was like i think i just i you gotta tip your cap to this because again you know when we if we get to ones i don't like just be like i'll just be like remember remember what that was like um <laughs> actually i was gonna say do you is i feel like i'm higher on bowie in general than you are but i'm like yeah i think so around? i'm definitely coming around though yeah as we listen to the older versions definitely coming around yeah, I think that's what it took for me too. Because it, yeah. Um, although Not I that remember, I dislike it, I should say that I don't dislike it by any means. Right, I remember uh, you actually really liking it on the uh, Halloween '94 tape yeah. too. So to, uh, live fish thirteen. Um, okay, so our next track is "Strange Design." Beautiful song. Uh, beautiful song. That was like literally. Uh, I was gonna say pretty song, and that's kind of. Uh, kind of all i got on uh, strange yeah, design yeah it's uh it's you know what's surprising about strange design um it's all i'll really say um, it's like it's like a dark star <laughs> it's it's yeah right it's amazing to me that strange design never like got any radio traction cuz it's like a really good 90s ballad radio song type sound right like it just yeah. fit yeah it's like a good it could make a good pop song if someone covered it i bet it could be really big like if if a female artist with like Oh man, what if Olivia Rodrigo played <laughs> Strange Design? Did Strange Design? That would be interesting. <laughs> Chloe Moriando? Yeah, I would, one of them. I would definitely listen to it. A young um, a young artist should cover Strange Design and blow up Fish's fandom again like. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people might be <laughs> a little <laughs> dubious about that like why are there Olivia Rodrigo fans here? But I, I'm fine, whatever. Um, yeah, strange, uh, strange design is cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good. I agree with you. It was the one we mentioned. Uh, sort of the same thing I was thinking with Water in the Sky earlier. Where yeah, it just feels like they have these songs that other bands would actually maybe try to kind of put forward stuff. Like famously, Strange Design got cut off the end of Billy Breathes. It was supposed to be the last track on oh, Billy Breathes. Oh wow. Uh, there's a podcast again. Shout out uh, Tom Marshall. We're just this is all we do is just plug other fish podcasts that are better than ours. But I think he did the one with Trey from a while ago where uh, he said that uh, or Trey said something like, "Fish has a grand history of the greatest songs on the album le- ending up on the cutting room floor." <laughs> it's just like part of it. So, but yeah, so you know, it's a uh, it's a pretty song. Um, the next one we get to is "Limb by Limb." I really, really liked this, and this was close for me mm, on the extra fins. Mm, uh, I threw a couple. Of, 
threw a couple extra. I gave it a seven. Threw a couple. Threw a couple extra on there. Nice. Um, this is the tenth version out of nineteen that played in nineteen ninety eight. It debuted in nineteen ninety seven. By the way, um, really great uh, beginning of the jam, like bouncy, good Sammy's happening again. Just I think Paige in the second and third set is really uh, great. I first set I feel like it's more Mike, but then obviously Mike's great throughout it. But um, I think Paige really comes alive. I like uh, just yeah. It had it has a really great. Uh, I don't know, just a really great, happy, bouncy feel to it at the beginning. Um, you can kind of get a little bit of a whiff of like the 3.0 type jamming in this, can't you? Almost. I, yeah, I man. felt like there was a little bit of that in there, but then it does get the jam just becomes subsumed by this like ambience that again, it feels like this uh, show to me in some ways beginning with gumbo feels like it's kind of it's the scales are always sort of tipping in that direction of it getting more like spacey and a little darker and they have to kind of like keep jerking the reins back up by playing different songs or whatever. Um, I guess you could say even at the beginning with uh, Simple has a little bit of it. but I can say I was jerking something. <laughs> this is the After Midnight podcast, people. Yeah. Or not, after, that actually is a podcast, right? But this is the, oh, this I don't is know, the Fish After Dark. Um, oh, yeah, it was the 2000. <laughs> it was the Big Cypress one. I really like how it uh, starts out as like almost 3.0 sounding limb by limb, but then just gets kind of... T- turning more towards this ambient space and it has a great transition into the next track so I was really high on Limb by Limb Me too Obviously, every time that limb by limb starts, it has some big shoes to fill. Darian. Darian. Um, <laughs> so I kind of journaled myself a little bit here, right? Uh, we've got early jam. I'm still alert. I think maybe the edibles are kicking in, or is it just that good? Is the jam Giannis, just that good? Giannis only is hoisting science, the uh, MVP trophy. Yeah, in the right. Back. <laughs> uh, only science knows. Three fifty-five. Belt buckle loosening. Six minutes. <laughs> Overwhelming desire to remove pants, fighting that urge. <laughs> Eight minutes, 45 seconds. I don't remember taking off my pants, but here we are. Uh, then, you know, as the song is starting to wind up, I'm attempting to replace my pants, but there's a protrusion in the way, preventing the completion. And then 
<laughs> Roll the soundbite again. Darian. Because next song, boom. Yeah, we go into Brian and Robert. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Um, How good is gonna... that transition too, right? Like, It's really great. It, it works really well. It's the, um, you know, the way Brian and Robert is being played at this point is with the, um, with the distorted uh, Trey guitar stuff going on, Robert Fripp-esque stuff going on in the background. Um, Wink. I said this in the intro thing. Like, I feel like ninety. The, I feel like ninety-eight, and by extension, like this festival compared to Great Wen, has, it has this a little bit more of this sort of like just buoyant, light, like fun quality to it. While also, like I say, the it, it, you just feel the ground turning towards this, or whatever you feel like you we are just slowly heading towards this more um, you, yeah. ambient, sludgy kind of quality, yep. but. You come unglued while in midair, you could say. <laughs> so to speak. Landing to reform. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, the Brian and Robert, um, it's uh, the ninth performance of 16 uh, that took place in 1998. 1998 was also its debut year, so this is its ninth performance overall. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I like this uh, Brian and Robert a lot, and uh, I definitely feel like this set, or yeah the re- really the rest of this show after limb by limb i feel like is um we're getting into maybe slightly less kind of noteworthy territory song by song going through it like this but just yeah. in, ter- in the flow of the show i think this probably worked really well and i love that transition so it's yeah beautiful. i went with it was a, beautiful. i went with 4.5 on brian and robert did you go with five um yeah i kind of lumped it in with limb by limb because yeah. of the, the darian plus just darian. the way that it flowed all together was just really nice i enjoyed it and kind of clumped it together so i would give it a five but you know maybe it gets a little bit of the extra fins off of the off of the extra fins from limb by limb as well you know we could just mix them all together make a big old (laughs) brian and robert sandwich (laughs) get a uh yeah take a couple off the pile throw them to brian and robert um so we close set three with loving cup uh by the rolling stones originally Mm -hmm. Uh, who are a rock and roll band for listeners who don't know. Uh, uh, This is the third of eight performances in 1998. Um, uh, This is what I was alluding to earlier when we talked about uh, Choctaw's Torture in the second set, where it feels very like grabbing the reins, like, all right, let's get everybody back. Let's get everybody dancing again. We need, (laughs) you know, we've really like the, we haven't really mentioned this and maybe on the podcast this deep into it, it's not worth mentioning, but just like, I don't know the fact that the amount of confidence they have doing this kind of, like we keep saying ambient or spacey. It's not, that's not even necessarily always the right way to describe it, but it's kind of the only way you can, you know, yeah. this sort of more like, I want to say languid, but languid is some like kind it's of seems mood. like a negative term, but yeah. And just to do that in front of 60,000 people, like I just feel like, you know, yeah. there's Instead so much of spacey. Of, I almost feel like I would say spacious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I should so go with that, you know, and it's like, um, it's so much, it doesn't this, I wouldn't to describe the way this show sounds, the word like funky wouldn't be like one that would immediately come to mind. You know what I mean? In some ways, like I think the, like there's stuff in fall 97 that is straight up like funk, like these just tube jams where they're just attempting to do like meters esque stuff. And at this point it just moved into this more, yeah, this more moody uh, thing. And you know, what did it, do you know what moved them off of that? They just kissed the baby. 
That's how you do it. So yeah, yeah. so Loving Cup. Um, uh, Better than the Stones version, of course, as I mentioned before. This was what I was alluding to. <laughs> I genuinely believe that Fish does this song better than, and I'm not even talking about the like the jamming because when they do it in the encore, it's not like a jam. It's you know what I mean. Yeah, they just do a better version of this song, and that's just my opinion. I don't think anyone could change it, and um, I'm sorry, Mick Jagger. Well, it is. I mean, it's definitely your opinion. I mean, nobody that that can't be argued with. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't care if it's controversial. Just like my opinions on dark on dark star comparisons, <laughs> <laughs> We're both real and and sort of imagined dark yeah. star comparisons. This is a good version of Loving Cup. I I like the. Uh, I think this works well with the um, kind of the way that the show flowed in general. This is, or I should say, this is consistent with the way the show flowed in general. Like this kind of um, having to sort of snap out of these uh, more language jams into these like uh, these rockers, but it's not like they, you know, they're still tight on the faster rocking parts of the show in a way that I think has changed a little bit over time. The fact that they still have the, both of these powers <laughs> in their hands and they can kind of go, yeah, all right, well like now that we're just done with, you know, now we we've explored this area a lot, so now we're gonna just become a gigantic bar band for, you know, yeah, uh, for for a couple of minutes. I I just love that. It's like the best version of what a bar band could do with Loving Cup. So yeah, and it's an I agree with you. It's, it's also I agree with you. It's definitely better than the. Uh, it's it's yeah. It's definitely better. The uh, yeah, the live version of Loving Cup by the Rolling Stones is not is is not very good. Um, but anyway, that's just my opinion. Um. So, any other loving cup related thoughts? Nope. The uh, I do like when they play it in the second set as like a bit of a jam, though. Um, I know, isn't there? There's like a really big version of it that's not the one from after the blues one. I think, right? Isn't there another one? Yep. There's a, there's been a couple where they've they've gone for it. I think that's uh, such a cool thing. And do they not have to name it Loving Cup Jam, or have they just never released it as official? Like all the longer ones they've never done that right loving cup jam that would probably cost a crap load of money to oh those. you mean the thing with the live fish yeah because yeah, like roses are free roses are free jam yeah like well NASA it actually jam. says the name yeah it says nasa yeah. i think that the because um, that's because you, you you have to pay you can't change the right yeah i think anyway, i'm not positive it's a whole other thing i think the co- i think the copyright law has actually changed because they now it, when they put out like some of the box sets and stuff they don't do that anymore so i don't know if they don't have to do it anymore or whatever but... or if they just have enough money to not worry about it well, also, I think it changed. They talk about that a little bit in the deadcast too. That there was like the oh. there's a thing with the with the rights, right? Because if oh, you yeah. name something yep. NASA yeah. Jam, then they can get the, you know, like they get the royalties from it or whatever. So, mm. um, yeah. So that ends set three, and then we have the encore. I'm gonna kind of just do this all as I didn't rate them all as one thing, encore. but we can just get through it. Uh, we get uh, Haley's Comet. We have Cavern, and then we have, don't forget about Tweet Prize. We have Tweet I Prize did, the end of the show. I did, so yeah. forgot about it. Yeah, oh, my I did, gosh, yeah. did I. I was like, <laughs> damn. So here's one thing I just want to bring up real quick. I know it's going to be a little bit controversial, and I know you like to avoid controversy. Oh but, boy. like, in Cavern, right, you know, uh-huh. I know it's a different time. The It's the Reagan era. People say things, and <laughs> there's oh just, you know. I think I know where this is going. It just seems like such an unnecessary shot at Shrek to call him a worthless swampy fool in a song. <laughs> and I know, you know, maybe it was before Shrek was made a movie, but it's just, it just seems unnecessary. That's all I had to say. <laughs> I got you there. Didn't I? I bet you, I, I knew what you oh, thought. I was getting man. 
I was like, oh boy. I did that on purpose too, because I was like, I'm gonna vaguely allude to what I'm gonna say, just because I know that there's this other part. But yeah, um, they should have d- Cavern in the next Shrek, Shrek movie. Yeah, Shrek is Shrek is not a worthless swampy fool. He accomplishes yeah. so much. He does a lot, and, really. I mean, he's kind of yeah. grumpy about it, but just a great guy overall. He yeah. seems like a wonderful person to be around. <laughs> I mean, not at first maybe, but he becomes a wonderful person. Right? Yeah, he's gruff, but then you know, he kind of you know. I'd like to think that he learned something. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, um, I, they definitely got me on Tweet Prize. They got me good this time. I was like, oh, did, did oh man. Well, what you also have happening? a whole other set, and that's already the second set. So, you know, there's a lot going on, a bunch. Um, <laughs> in terms of uh, Haley's, uh, I'm going down to the Garden of Infinite Pleasantries. That's great. Um I gave this one a four and a half. I gave Cavern a four and a half, and I gave Tweet Prize a five. Why, you ask? Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but somehow it just felt like that was the way to do it. That sounds right. That sounds good enough. Yeah, Haley's wasn't even, it was kind of just like a build-up to Cavern. You know what I mean? It wasn't like yeah. a, it was not Haley's that we all know now or knew it, then. It didn't, yeah, yeah, it didn't have like any kind of like uh, 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 jam, you know, in the uh, a la... The, yeah, because uh, now I feel like it serves like a Wolfman's Brother type of those two songs kind of have like that same. Yeah, it either it either abruptly ends and becomes something else, or they've done jams on it less actually times than you might think. But uh, yeah, that's right. Does. That is true because I've done this before where we saw a really good version of Haley's or something, and then I got yeah, really into did. it. Yeah, and then I was <laughs> like, man, I want to see. And you were like, well, actually, hit me with the Oscar. Yes. Well, actually. Yeah. Haley's and Roses Are Free both have that thing where people think that they've jammed on it more than they right. have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and they also yeah because they, they kind of they they brought back the Haley's thing in 3.0 and so yeah now they're jamming on it again. Maybe we'll get it tonight. Thank Ooh, that'd be nice. Um, so we got uh, yeah. Did you? I mean, it, actually, like fairly standard encore. But again, after the three sets and everything they've done, I'm sure this was fun. And Haley's is a good. Uh, way to you know get people up and dancing <laughs> for the uh, third set for you know for the encore so yeah. i uh yeah solid ending to the show um so tweet prize as tweet prize is kind of you know ambiently uh going off at the end trace uh, trace talks to the audience about uh kind of a similar thing, conversation that he has in the great went uh during the great went 2001 where he talks about like the band uh coming together with the fan base and how uh you know we can't do this without you kind of thing and he's getting all soft on us like a big softy and then uh but he mentions <laughs> that you know people have been making these candles throughout the weekend and so they have the candles so that's like we're gonna light them and uh we're gonna come back up here and do the ambient jam noticeable so, that they did not burn the entire thing down they Notable didn't burn. They did not. Yeah, just you know. Unlike other late '90s that, festivals, there were there was no candle shenanigans. Around. Yeah, no candle related <laughs> shenanigans. Um, so okay, so then so he announces one thing. I thought maybe it's worth noting. So this has got to be the first time that he's announced the secret jam from the stage, um, because I don't that didn't happen at Clifford Ball and it didn't happen at Great Went. So the secret jam is getting is 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 decidedly less secret it's not a secret at right. all um and so you know now in the cold light of uh, reality this longer later we can just listen to this straight through so now we head to the ambient jam just going to throw this out there i had this i hadn't listened to any of the secret sets um 
during my run of festivals because uh, I mean, you know what? There really is wasn't a specific reason. I just didn't, and I I felt like there was a something about, especially now that we went to Magnaball, uh, our first Magnaball. <laughs> I uh, just thought that somehow listening to these was always going to be kind of a disappointment because it's almost just totally about what's going on in in the you know it, right. if you were actually yeah. there. And I just thought I would totally uh, miss out on this. Plus. And I think you and I are going to agree on this. So Trey says that we're going to go and play like Brian Eno type ambient music. And then, I don't know, to my ears, this is the first time I've heard, literally the first time I've ever heard this was right before we recorded. And um, this just sounds like a fucking fish jam. Yeah. <laughs> in a yep. good way, in a great I way. Actually, it's a great I actually, I did some uh, time stamping and I wrote at the 43 minute mark as I said, there's the Eno type jam. Found there's a it. little bit of it. Yeah. Because, I mean, maybe they could say, like, maybe Roxy Music, like, early Eno, or, like, somebody that, like, I could see Eno producing something like this, maybe, but, yeah. It's just, it just sounded to me really like, it's a great jam, and I'm really, uh, actually, like, I'm so glad that we did this episode, and I listened to it specifically for this, because I don't think I would have ever, because I was like, I just thought ambient jam would mean really like i thought every i thought it was just gonna sound like you know that radiohead song tree fingers that's just yeah like, yeah yeah. like i thought it was gonna be that for like an hour so i was like oh that oh, i'm man, sure at the time that would be so great or if it was like an animal collective jam um but i actually yeah 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 that kind of that was like uh, what i had in mind more yeah it definitely had some like pink floyd-esque type feel to me in certain parts my favorite thing of the whole jam though and uh i mean maybe not actually my favorite thing of the whole jam but the beginning when you hear the two people start talking and then the guy who's taping just goes hey guys i'm, I'm rolling tape oh yeah there's that a little conversation awesome. yeah he's just like hey you know hey guys quiet because i'm trying to tape here and they're just like oh yeah cool right on man <laughs> i didn't actually catch the i heard it i was on i went for a walk around my neighborhood listening to ambient jam and i was like it's funny to like i'm listening to this in broad daylight <laughs> and like i was like i wonder if this is gonna work and it does it was great it's it's i sh- by saying it sounds like a fish jam i mean that in the absolutely the most positive way possible it didn't uh sound like you know music to me for the most part but i uh and then i liked the way the vocals came in at the end that was yeah. that was fun i wonder if maybe they were thinking like uh life in the bush of ghosts type yeah but even that's like more i don't know that's really sample heavy too yeah it didn't uh yeah it was uh, the first note i wrote down is less ambient than i thought (laughs) yeah yeah agreed but i i think i yeah i i'm glad i'm I'm glad that it is that way to be honest like i think the other thing like would be cool like the way i was thinking it would be would be cool but as like a novelty like oh did you know they like the like the disco set from great went yeah which i think i have heard at least snippets of that and you know it's not it's like maybe not something that you would see now i'm saying this and i'm like i should go back and listen maybe it's great but um (laughs) but uh you know i think this is uh yeah this is just a fantastic jam and i really think like you know if they had played this coming out of tweezer it wouldn't be i mean it would be an insane version of tweezer but it wouldn't be anything exactly it it didn't seem like it wasn't you know what i mean it wouldn't be like oh they did this crazy ambient jam it would just be like dude that tweezer was killer like it would just seems like a uh yeah it just was a fantastic uh fish jam we you and i both or i i sent you a text that i didn't want to 
give this a fin rating because you know i wouldn't like with the it's like no, with the yeah. drive-in jam Nothing i wouldn't want somebody against. yeah i wouldn't want somebody to be like yeah it was a, a three I thought, like, it's they, like, it was definitely the <laughs> drive-in jam was also ambient though i would say that it was more ambient was than pro- this possibly I more ambient yeah i think yeah uh <laughs> which is funny you know that would be like if they were on more of a tower than they were right. in a tower jam it's just uh, crazy <laughs> that they uh yeah that they can be so tight all the time is is i think the neatest thing is just see them seeing like hearing them just improv obviously they do a lot of improv but like i mean from yeah. the get-go just like start with nothing and just be like hey let's do a jam different peaks and like different ways and sounds and stuff i yeah i like that yeah it like to hear them coming not from something there's really these festival sets and then there's the headphones jam you can get where they jammed in the studio there's like sound check jams that are sometimes like this but yeah in terms of like things they play in front of people it's few and far between it's really these festival sets are kind of the only examples of it we get and they're so good at it like there's the point point i don't have the uh, timestamps or anything but which as you're noticing is a theme <laughs> me not having timestamps. <laughs> but uh there's a part where trey's guitar riff is sort of running the show you know it's kind of like the main thing that's happening and then he just goes up the octave with it in a very trey way and oh it's so perfect and like then it gets into like a sludgy kind of like similar to the way that tweezer ends in the show it gets into that kind of territory for a bit that like chunk ch- 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 chunk kind of jamming yes, I do. and yeah and then it ends and then yeah it does end or right before the vocals come in it does become a little more yeah like eno adjacent kind of more right. sounds happening and stuff but then they come in with the vocals and the vocals are great they're like pretty i don't know if that was maybe was that one part rehearsed or something because they really seem like they know what they're singing but that seems like that's where they were going for the eno sound you know what i mean Is yeah like throwing yeah. stuff like that in there um yeah, I just thought it was a really cool jam. The key changes in it were neat when they like switched. The other thing that I would take away from this is Mike Gordon's tone is different in this jam than the rest of it. Not by much, but you can hear uh-huh. it if you listen. And I, maybe it's just because I'm like a 
Gordon uh, Gordon Tone fanatic because, like I said, I don't understand how he does it. But there are no <laughs> steps like other people have steps in between their high string and their and their low strings. He doesn't have steps. He has a ramp. Like his bass is wheelchair accessible. I don't know what yeah. he does, but it's amazing. <laughs> he just gets yeah, just gets right up there. <laughs> so cool. It's so cool. Um, and it, yeah, it's more like a Phil Lesh type sound. In this one, you know what? I wonder if maybe he was because, well, I'm trying to remember. I looked up at one point when he switched to playing with a pick, but he's definitely using the pick a lot in this set. I think he switched in 1994, full time. Yeah, it's it's great. He's got kind of like that kachungi sound that like Phil Lesh has on his because obviously he's super influenced by Phil Lesh's. Yeah, and by his definitely by his sound, he's brought that up a ton. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I didn't actually specifically notice the bass tone thing, but um. You know, I was just the whole time I was just like, oh, I've never listened to this and it's just an hour long jam. What? Like, what am I doing? What am I doing here? Why am I? What are we? <laughs> why, do- am I host- why am I hosting a fish podcast? What's wrong with me? Are you going to take it away from us? Excuse me, sir. You haven't listened to this jam yeah. before. <laughs> I'm going to need you to hand in your headphones and your microphone, please. Yeah. And your gun. <laughs> <laughs> and your meat stick. Put your badge um, and your meat stick on the table, please. <laughs> Well, Dan, I think we did it, man. I mean, uh, this has been—we really did too. This has been one of the ones that I was like looking forward to the most because uh, we haven't really done like a a big show like this. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's—I think the main PSA of this whole thing should be: uh, go out there and listen to Lemon Wheel, people. Don't sleep on it. It's a good festival, and uh, it uh, gets—it gets overlooked, and it doesn't deserve it. That's and my, if you are uh, a if you are a vet and you're sitting there saying to yourself, how do they not? How have they not listened to Lemon Wheel? What do they mean? Don't sleep on it. Look, man, look, man. We came to the show late. Okay, I was only <laughs> we're only seven years old at the time. We didn't know. We didn't know. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, I was. We're I, learning. Uh, we weren't as we weren't quite like um, whatever his name was. Who Sam? Sam Jarvis. Who, yeah, uh, we weren't. We're not Sam. <laughs> my parents did not listen to Fish. Uh, but yeah, this was a lot of fun, and it's only going to get more fun. We have concluded the night one of Lemon Wheel, so we are going to do night two. Um, but uh, as we are wont to do, we are going to do a 3.0 show in between. On that note, if you are listening to this, we thank you greatly. And yes. frankly, we're surprised. <laughs> we Pretty surprised, but <laughs> pretty again, surprised. thank you. We love you so much. So we have two... Great shows lined up for all of our. Do our fans have a name? Fin, Finnegans, Five Finnegans. I like it. Five Finnegans for all you Five Finnegans out there. That's hope, so great. <laughs> you are. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our Lemon Wheel episode. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye, boy.